Welcome to Chronic Curiosity, where real people have real conversations. From anything to everything, and sometimes nothing. But if you enjoyed the show, we ask that you would make sure to follow, subscribe, do all the things that you're supposed to do, but more importantly, share it with a friend. interacting and communicating with everybody, different ideas, opinions, and thoughts to have real conversations. If you want to support the show, tell your friends. Or you can also go on the website, chronic-curiosity.com. You can donate there in USD or Bitcoin, or you can also pick yourself up a t-shirt, a sweatshirt, hat, even a coffee mug, with Bitcoin or USD to support the show. Hope you enjoy. And here we go. Down at the bottom, right? Yeah, so we should probably do an introduction. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, well, introduce. He's your buddy. Yeah, this Are is, we on? This is yeah, my friend on. Jake Saul. Jake, say hello to everyone. Hello, world. <laughs> it sounds so formal. Bye, cruel world. All of those, the 100 million uh, listeners out there. Mm, yeah, maybe, it's something like not that. Yet. Getting close. Not yet. Yeah. Like five and a half. It's yeah. okay. There's a few midgets that like us. Yeah, yeah five and a half people total. Five and a half. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm the half person yeah. every now and then. Yeah. Um, well, I... I it was funny. I um I think I can't. I think I told you this, Tony. I had that um I met a not met a guy. I knew known him for a while, but just randomly talking to him, he was like, uh, we had a guy on just recently, uh, CJ, who was oh his actual his book's right there. Yeah. Um, but we had him on um just that right after Veterans Day. He just put that book out. He was a veteran that got hit by an ID. In Is this Iraq. him? Yeah. Yeah, so he's he, now he's a professional bodybuilder. But That's he's the same, man. He's taking over get David Goggins' role. Yeah, he be got careful. he got pretty messed up. At one point, they said that. He was probably never going to walk again. And then when he did, like, he was like, always down to like 135 pounds when he got out of the hospital. He was in the hospital for like nine months. And, Damn, um, dude. But yeah, so he was on. He was like, he's like, hey, he's like, how did you, how do you know CJ? And there was just a com- guy completely disconnected from, I had no idea. And he, I was like, I said, well, I know him for this, this. I was like, how do you know him? He's like, well, I used to coach um, like little league football with him. I'm like, no kidding. Like, small world. And he told me they, um, they got a chance to, do a game during one of the Browns like halftime games with a bunch of like first graders. They oh, took really? a bunch of first graders out to play football like during the halftime of, of like an actual football game. So that's pretty legit. I was like, yeah. That'd be really sweet. That's cool. That'd be wild. He's got real stories then. Uh, yeah. He said he was on the show. Yeah, yeah he's been yeah. on twice. Yeah, he's been on that's twice. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. first time without the book and second time with the book. I'll have to dig up I'll have to dig those up. Yeah, it's uh he's got a pretty uh harrowing story I'm for sure. But it was something well hey uh, tell us what you do, man, vocational-wise. Yeah, no, I like, so I, uh, I'm, like I said, I'm one of those uh, average Americans, if you will, from a story standpoint. Grew up in a small town called Napoleon, Ohio. Uh, went through high school. Parents were the type that just wanted you to focus on being successful at sports and schools. You could say I grew up a little spoiled. You know, even even if my dad can be an asshole, they, they at least <laughs> paid for everything and they did some good stuff. Uh, five boys, you know, putting us all through sports and school was, was pretty legit. And I, I joke with my folks, like all five of us, you know, nobody got anybody pregnant in, in high school. Nobody got arrested. Nobody's on drugs. 
you know, all of us are only semi-alcoholics. So I'd say, I always say to my parents, I'm like, I know a lot of families and that's pretty hard to do to get three or five boys through life fairly straight, or at least what the definition of normal and straight would be. <laughs> I don't mean sexual orientation. I meant like straight yeah, through without getting know, in any trouble. Straight and narrow. Yeah. Everybody's got jobs. Everybody's married. Four of us have kids. Greg shouldn't have kids and I don't think he will. <laughs> so it's just kind of interesting because they were the type of parents that are just very hands off. They, they pushed you to do the sports and school and it's kind of like to a detriment at some point. Cause it was just such a, like go through, you went to college, you know, get through college, get good grades, get a good job. I mean, it's literally your textbook, do life this way and you'll be successful. And what is successful, you know, and that's where Tony and I kind of joke. We're all we're all at a place in this world and in life where it's like, I don't know what is successful anymore. I don't know what it means. I don't even because it's not about money and it's not about job. Like it used to be. Like unfortunately, I used to probably think that making good money and having nice things was the definition of success, and it's not. It's I mean. I still do it. You know, I have thousands of dollars worth of bourbon in my basement. So I yeah, still. <laughs> let me speak to that, though, because I think this goes back to something I always refer to that longitudinal study that they did at Harvard. It was over the course of like 70 years. And, you know, the, a lot of people thought the initial thing that you said, you know, mm-hmm. the money, the having things. And, you know, once they hit that $70,000 mark, they said, eh, you know, $70,000 a year is pretty good. Yeah, it was. Well, yeah, <laughs> now about 170000 yeah. Just for your basic necessities. Right, yeah. right. But what they found was uh, that, the you know, kind of what people said where they felt success was meaningful relationships. Mm-hmm. And so we joke about your thousands of dollars worth of bourbon uh, or that we don't know what success is. But I, I think it's this right here. Mm-hmm. It's sitting down and having these conversations and those meaningful relationships where uh, you know, it's not, Hey, I've got this bourbon or Hey, I've got this car, or this house or anything like that. It's, Hey, I can pick up the phone and you know, what's going on with your life? Like I genuinely mm-hmm. care about you and your kids. You care about me and my kids. We care about, you know, our civic duties in the community. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's what it's really about. At least for me, meaningful relationships. You know, I know for you, you don't just sit there and drink your bourbons alone. You share no. those bourbons and it yep. facilitates conversations and laughter. This thing right here has built, uh, you know, all kinds of amazing conversations reached other people, brought a lot of people that you didn't know that have become friends, people yep. that you brought to me that have become friends. So for me, and probably for you, and I'm not saying, you know, unanimously across the board, it's just meaningful relationships. But I think if we were going to focus on one thing, probably meaningful relationships would be a level of success. Yeah, I the, the bourbon thing, I like the bourbon tastes. I like to, to play with it, but I 100%, I just... I don't do any of it. I don't ever make any money off of it. I don't sell it to people for a profit. I just try to, you know, like you said, use it for camaraderie. And like even yesterday, a friend of mine from Kentucky was in town, and I'm still able to buy that old, or the Weller 107, the yeah. antique 107. Oh, yeah. I can still get it at Bueller's at retail. In other states, it's like $180 a bottle or $200 a bottle. It's 55 bucks in Ohio if you can find it. Bueller's makes you buy one bottle at a time. And uh, so I, I just keep buy, I buy. I probably have twenty of those, or at least I had twenty. I've found a lot of people very much interested. And my boss bought like four from me and took them back to Georgia. This guy coming through Kentucky bought three last night, and I was just like, 
I don't care. I'm just happy to like, like he said, he's, he's doing the same thing. He's got family that enjoy it. So he takes it to holidays and he can be that guy that brings a cool bottle. And we all refuse to kind of pay over retail except for a couple of times. And then what's that doing too? Like you helped him facilitate more meaningful relationships as well. Yeah. And that's, that's why we're doing it. I, that's why I can't stand being on those Facebook pages that people, you can tell they go to Beeler's in the morning and then they post pictures of stuff and they're trying to sell it for... Tears, truck chasers. <laughs> yeah, even some people oh, are, they're selling them for $10 more than they paid for it. They're just trying to turn and burn. Scalpers. Yeah, and <laughs> so maybe people don't know that. Maybe explain a little bit behind, you know, bourbon and allocations and that there's a secondary market and what people do. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, they'll, they'll wait in line at Beeler's or OHLQ because in Ohio they control the liquor. I don't know. You guys know this. They control liquor prices. So the state of Ohio owns all the liquor in Ohio. And then I they, don't know that. So yeah. I'm assuming other yeah, people yeah, don't yeah, know okay. that. Okay. So not know oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's why I want you to. And all for us, yeah. uneducated. Yeah, he knows. I only, know, I only know it halfway. Like I know, like this, your that first bottle of Kentucky Spirit. Now I understand why you don't break it out very often because it's delicious yeah, and you can't a, find it but it's no that's a store pick too yeah. which you can we can explain yeah. those as well oh, i know enough to know like oh this is good <laughs> well i guess so let, real quick i'll finish background then we're going to jump into bourbon just so that like people are like who the hell is this guy yeah, yeah again like i said i feel like if i were to, to write a book it was that typical american story journey and now my journey is taking different paths you know the way the world is but i started working at a, in a local insurance company here in medina uh, it's a smaller company. Then I, I left that company for a larger insurance company, so like a large corporation member of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, so one of the largest insurance companies in the world. And then uh, I left that for a less big but still large private, they're called mutual insurance companies. So there's two types of ownership for insurance companies. You're either publicly traded or you're owned by the policyholders, the people who buy the insurance from you. And so that's where I'm at right now. And when I started there, it was like, oh, this is great. They're a huge company. They're spe they specialize in commercial property. So I work on uh, property insurance for the largest, some of the largest companies in the world. So it's, for me, it was interesting. I understood it really well. It became so easy that I just thought it was easy. And I just kept getting better and better at it. And that's where, you know, we talk about like that $70,000 mark of, you know, income. For a long time, you know, we were having, you know, Megan, my wife, was a nurse, so we were a dual income, no kids. Then it was like we had one kid, and she scaled back, but my income went up and hers went down. So I think we maintained almost the same income level as a as a as a family for like seven years. It was really weird because it was just kind of like the the better off I was able to do for my my standpoint, the less she had to do, and then we started having more kids. It was like a perfect flip to the point where the clinic she was working for got bought by a hospital and they weren't even going to like let her take vacation. And she was only working two days a week. And they were like, we're going to give you demerits or something. She's like, I'm never going to accrue enough time to be able to take a day off. She's like, you don't even have to pay me on my days off. And they're like, well, we can't do that. So she became a big part of like a bureaucracy where they can't figure out solutions for like good people, which is what a lot of corporations are like these days. So she, like four or five years ago, she quit, and then my income took off exponentially. So it was just kind of like, it was a weird situation. And then we're in, we were in Wadsworth for a long time. We sold the house there. We moved to Medina. Again, not trying to chase 
the Joneses. We were kind of past the that. We we know it. when I say the Joneses, yeah. we know what I mean. I think everyone knows. The, yeah, keeping up with the Joneses. <laughs> the Joneses. Yeah, we, we were. Yeah, <laughs> so we weren't trying to keep up with the Joneses, but we, yeah. you know, we were just trying to find a better place to live. It's um, how I met Tony. Buying my house is the only reason I know Tony. So I guess whether I'm in over my head or not, which I'm not. It's just it's just funny to say that. Like big house comes with big problems, new roofs, staining, siding, all that stuff. But Tyler Deso is a friend of Tony's. He's a oh, realtor. Yeah. He helped me make this table. Not, yeah, that does yeah. look like something he could do. He's a very handy guy. Well, he probably could have done it all, but sometimes that bastard procrastinates. Yeah, he's he needed a little encouragement. I was like, all right, Tyler, when we, when we finish you this table. You hear that, Tyler? <laughs> yeah. So he just said it in, and yeah, I went over and pushed him. But yeah, he, uh, he was a big piece of this table. So, I mean, you talk about, you know, in my life, everything seems to have happened for a reason that you look back and you're like, I wouldn't have never known Tony. If there wasn't that meaningful relationship present. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's where you started, you started digging. I didn't have any meaningful relationships in Wadsworth. It was a really strange neighborhood we were in, you know, one of those Ryan home development neighborhoods. You just get all, there's just so many kinds of people and types of people there. It's just like hard to like find friends. Uh, so yeah, we moved to Medina four years ago. Uh, at that time I was still working at, a, at the company that I'm at now. Uh, and progressing through the ranks into the role that I'm in now where I, I'm technically in a sales job, but it's it's not. And Tony and I have joked, it's just like this unicorn job where I can work 10 hours a week sometimes, or I only write one account a year. And, and they take a long time. You're talking about large corporations putting together like a large program, but I just feel like a project manager. It's like the better I'm at, it's like anybody, the better you are at your job or your craft or your skill the easier it looks to people to the point where people hate me because they're like, you don't do anything around here and you get paid a lot of money when these things hit. Well, like, it's efficiency, right? It's like, a, yeah. If you can be one thing. You're kind of right, you, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I've also spent a lot of time working my ass off to figure out how to make it look this easy. Right. So it's, it's hard because I do joke with Tony a lot too. I'm like, you know, I won't say it over the air, but I, I joke about what I do for a living, and it's really just... Bro, you can say it if you want to say it. No, nah, I don't want to say it. I don't, <laughs> I don't to say it. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I am, uh, I'm working with people and nudging them in the right direction to, to kind of see things the way that, that I think they should see them. So some would say I'm, you know, taking care of, of people in order to, to make them happy. <laughs> But it works out. I mean, it, it it's a joke because it's a soft skills type of joke. But anyway, that's where we're at now. And it's like, you know, up until this point, and, you know, I'm sure we'll we'll dabble a little bit into the, the Rona talk, which I despise. Um, but we almost have to because for the last two years, and that's where Tony and I probably had a lot of more deeper conversations than we've ever had, you know, in just sharing information with him. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he works a lot. Tony works all the time. And I'm at, I'm working from home for the last two years. So, right. you know, I, you see all the memes, you know, about like the scientist versus the, the at home researcher. <laughs> the funniest one is like, you know, when they want to talk about misinformation and disinformation, the, the funniest meme I've seen. And I can laugh at myself. It's fine. It's a scientist, you know, putting the, the things in little vials and like, in the in the gowns and the the dress and they're like real real science and then it's some dude sitting on a toilet and it's like these are your other scientists like the people <laughs> who know better and it's some dude playing on his phone on a toilet it's like well to some degree that's who i am 
I think there's there is some. I get the joke, and it is a joke because there's so much crap that yeah. people can find. But if you, if at some point it's almost like a, if you approach it pro- appropriately, it's almost like you're an analyst. Yeah. And if you look at all of the imp- outputs you're getting, all the inputs you're getting, you know, to what it is, like in being able to sift through all that information, decipher it, yeah. and just put some critical thinking to it. Mm-hmm. Like some of the stuff isn't that complicated. Yeah. Like just to even, maybe not to understand the science of it, the mm-hmm. difficult stuff, but even to look at, or you have five different people saying, you know, four people are saying these things and this other person is saying this one. Mm-hmm. Well, like what are their motivations? Why are they saying these things? Who's paying them to say these things? Yeah. And you go, okay, I have questions. Yeah. <laughs> and then they go, no, you're not allowed asking questions. And that's, yeah. now and I have more questions. I would <laughs> say you certainly fall more in line with the data analysts and the, uh, mm-hmm. no, I, that's why I try to like help my, my mom or dad, or they want to, they, they'll ask me real questions and they want to know what I think. Yeah. And, uh, I'll explain it to them. And sometimes, you know, like anybody, you know, if we're having some drinks, my mom will be a little drunk. She'll be like, like, what makes you an expert though? Like you're like, they call it the internet. Like they think the internet is just this place of garbage information and that like none of it's legitimate. Like it's all, cause I'm trying to explain to her like what you're watching on TV is sound bites of what somebody wants you to hear. I go, that's all it is. I go, they're large corporations. I go, I work for one. I go, I know how this all works. Like everybody's being paid to do and say the things that they say. Mm-hmm. Brought I go, to you by Pfizer. Yeah. <laughs> I love that I may clip. Have, I, yeah, I, I think it. we've you all seen, seen that, that clip. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and it's just I, it's just like, how can you, you laugh? Because you're like, how can people not see this? Like, how can they just not see some of this? Some of it. Just mm-hmm. some of this bullshit. But, but that's the joke is like, you know, there's a there's so many varying degrees of people's like the paradigm that they live in like and I try to I explain to my wife too I'm like because she can't understand like how do people think and believe some of this stuff that they're hearing and seeing it's like every person lives in a paradigm that you don't understand because right. it's all of their own data points but I'm gonna take a time out on this topic one of my superpowers <laughs> is going on a hundred tangents and bringing them all back. We're going to go back to bourbon because we got to finish that talk <laughs> for the viewers that know, because I, we can, we can take a real deep dive just into, you know, the critical thinking and the logic of what Tony, I mean, I'm going to point at Tony a lot because I go to him a lot as like, uh, am I crazy? Like, can I just say these things out loud? Like you analyze them, let me know what you think. And, and he's done that on several occasions and we, bro, did you just hear that? He uses me as a sounding board. How scary is that shit? Yeah. Well, I, it is scary. <laughs> I'm just well, I, I do the same, but usually I know when I'm saying something really crazy, yeah. if Tony just looks at me or just like, I'm going to need you to explain that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, I, I hit somewhere off the mark here. Let me try this again. <laughs> You're really lacking this a little bit for clarification, Fred. Also, Fred is the meme. When we get text messages of him analyzing data, 85% he's on the toilet. Oh, I believe that. For sure. Yeah. 95% of the time, my responses are on the toilet. 60% of the time, every time. Hey, it's because... I'm being efficient with being my time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do the same. And the bathroom is typically quiet. Yeah, I can focus. Quiet, yeah, that's yeah. where the kids are. You know, you tell them you're not allowed in here when I'm in here. So back to the bourbon. The bourbon, yeah. The so Ohio and controlled state. Ohio owns oh, yeah. it all, and then they they redistribute it. That's where like a lot of people make a lot of money as distributors. Because you're another middleman. So state yeah. state minimum. That's why you, state you walk minimums. in there, state controls the prices. The state all, controls all the, the prices so that everybody is getting the same deal. 
And the state makes a lot of money off of this. And Ohio is actually one of the only states in the country that does the workers' compensation insurance as a state-run program. Everywhere else, it's like private health care. This is like a legit state-run. And it's unfortunately, it's better because they control the prices. Like, uh, you know, some clinic's not going to push the state around or some, some dude's not going to be able to, like, build this two-year case and get paid for life. The state's basically like, this is what we're giving you. This is what we're doing. Like, this is how these things work out. Is it, is it better for companies, though, if they wanted to shop around for workers' comp? Uh, it's, it's a state program. I mean, it, it could – I don't actually know the cost of what that is. My brother, oldest brother, used to sell it to, like, small businesses and packages because you get better rates the yeah. more numbers you have. So probably it might be a little more expensive, and that's, that's the, the capitalistic case. But same with the liquor. Like, if you wanted to be a capitalist, you would let all these liquor stores, which is what happens like Michigan and Indiana yeah. and stuff. And they're, they're not usually egregious because they still – they're running a business and they want to sell this stuff. <laughs> well, some of them are. Some they're of called them are. museums. They're, they're getting there, yeah. There's some, yeah, there's some dusties that it's like, you got to bring the price down. I might buy that. But up in like Michigan, they get the they have their distributors, and so when you're in Michigan, you'll probably notice there's liquor stores everywhere. There's little little shithole liquor stores everywhere, and it's like, why is there so many liquor stores? But in Ohio, they only give out a couple of the light. Like in Medina, we have two liquor stores, yeah. and they're both owned by Bueller's now, and and that's fine. But they basically for Bueller's, it's a guaranteed profit. It's not a huge profit. Sorry. My phone keeps vibrating. I'm in here. It's uh, fantasy football. I'm in like oh, four leagues and everybody's <laughs> talking, so I should have turned it on silent. But So in Ohio, there's, there's a guaranteed profit margin, and that's it. I think it's like 10% or something. And then in other states, you'll go up there, and the guy can get you know six bottles of something that you want. He might charge you his retail price is 55 bucks. He's going to charge you 75 bucks a bottle. And he can, he can make that extra profit on his own. So it's capitalistic, but in this state, people, because it's it's at the bottom barrel price. So it is in Ohio for anything that is of any significance, it is guaranteed at this price. Even those Pappy Van Winkle bottles, the retail's like for the most expensive one, the retail's like two hundred fifty dollars. But as soon as the state allocates them out, and they actually run a lotto now, where like you have to put your driver's license in. So they do the liquor lotteries for anything that's really allocated. And that that's basically rare bottles, mm-hmm. and you enter your information for an opportunity to purchase that bottle at the state price. At retail price, about. yeah. So well, that's, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just, just kind of giving an example. Like Jake puts his information in. Uh, he ends up winning. They say, hey, you won this bottle. It's $250. Mm-hmm. Now you get to pay $250. And you now you get to pay for it, yeah. Very rare bottle yeah. that's right. worth you know, $3,000 on the Some second. Some of them are, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the kind of the argument for the more government, um, you know, interjection would be that it's fair mm-hmm. because it's across the board, the same rules for everybody. But obviously, you know, sometimes being fair for everybody isn't always great. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I like it. Like, I don't want to like it, you know, right. at the core of you, you don't want to like it. You want it to be like, but these distilleries can charge whatever they want for them. They could put a $2,000 price tag on that bottle. They're just afraid that as soon as they do that, then they'll have inventory sitting on the shelves. Yeah. I mean, no one's it, buying it. Didn't, it, it worked okay for Whistlepig. Yeah, Whistlepig did it. Uh, I mean, the one, the Weller Antique 107 used to be a $35 bottle. Yeah. 
they finally took it up to $50 a bottle and they've had no problem selling those. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, it's, it's kind of an interesting dynamic because I, in my job, I was able to work with um, one of the largest distilleries in Kentucky. And I asked them that. I said, why don't you take your prices up? And they're just like, they're like superstitious about it. It's almost like the way they, we do uh, for the insurance aspect, we also preach a lot about loss prevention. So we own the largest fire and natural hazards lab in the world. We burn things down and we tell you like, this is how it's going to burn down and this is how you need to protect it. So for Kentucky, you know, nothing is worse than a wood building Rick houses the where Rick they store you. Yeah. You got a wood building. Bro, what do you mean? Then it's limited edition. Uh, <laughs> right. I know. They, yeah, you get Fire those, warehouse uh, extra. $7 million yeah. instead of tornado. You get those That's tornado barrels. Smoky notes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're almost, it's almost like a superstition because it's a wood building. They do wood racks, wood barrels. And the liquid is highly flammable. <laughs> right. So it's like, all right, from an inch, it's, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to be like, all right, if your job is to underwrite and price and provide product for property insurance, like how much are you going to want that versus the hospital that's concrete, sprinklered, occupied 24-7? Right. So the pricing differential and the desirability to, to do that at a potential profit margin is, is huge. So for them, we were like, hey, you know, if you just, because they also have these thick, wood plank walkways that go through all the barrels right and most of these are sprinkler now and it's like you can literally take all those wood planks out and use like a metal mesh it's like and you're going to increase the odds of protecting this facility by like a hundredfold because the water can get through it like yeah they're like worried about how that might mess with like the flavor mm -hmm. and it's like this is like superstition it's like it's inside the barrel. It's not going to mess with the flavor at all, but they don't want to like touch I, it. Touch any variable. I get that, man. Everything's so dialed in with they are. anything and everything yep. can affect yeah. that. Well, you don't know until you know. You do it and then you I find out something's wrong and it takes you Bro, 10 did, years to figure yeah. it out. Why don't you guys run an experiment with that and you guys make your own bourbon? To we see should. The we should build are. a Rick house up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Unfortunately, we only have like three of those as clients, so it's probably not real cost effective. <laughs> but they, uh, they tried it at Jack Daniels, like metal Rick houses, and, and it didn't... Jack Daniels is, you know, most popular whiskey in the world. So they have to make sure their flavor profile is the same, but it, it, they're so big that they could try out like a metal warehouse. And they did, and they didn't end up having a flavor issue. They had a corrosion issue because it's like, all right, you know, the wood burns, we get it. And then metal corrodes because of all of the alcohol that uh, evaporates. So they're replacing, you know, roofs and parts and rafters and things like that just to make sure the building doesn't collapse. Yeah, the chemistry is interesting. I yeah. just learned, did you ever, some side note, because I'm really good at. We're good at you, tangents. If you're, good, yeah. if you're good at yeah. bringing you me back, I'll bring you back. Yeah, if you're good at bringing me back. We're going to have to reel them in. <laughs> yeah, if you're good at bringing me back, I'm good no, at getting off track. I've already got my checklist in my okay, head. Yeah, well, talk about that. Have you ever, like, I just had a moment where, you ever have one of those things where, like, you, where you're reading something or you, you're learning something new, but then you realize, like, you learned it, like, back in high school? Uh -huh. And it was like, and as you're like reading it, it finally clicks and you're like, oh, I learned about this, but I never really yeah. learned about it. I just heard about it. And then as you're actually learning it and ingesting it, like everything, like the light bulb goes uh -huh. off and it's like, oh, this makes sense. This is fascinating now. And when I was in high school, I just didn't give a damn. But it was buried in there. Yeah. Well, I, buried I had bed. that, I had that moment. I was reading, um, Brian Green is a physicist. Mm -hmm. I was reading his book and he was talking about um, like how water is so important to life and all these different things. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm going to butcher this, but the idea is That's because right. of the hydrogen and oxygen 
and the way the electron clouds need to balance each other out at the levels they're at. And since one is negative and positively charged, the reason water can be so corrosive is because of those negative positive uh-huh. charges are constantly trying to rip everything apart that it's uh-huh. that it, it has water around it. And it's also at the same time, it gives water the ability to filter and transfer things very easily uh-huh. because of solubility. And it was like, we need water to survive. Our bodies are what? 60% water, whatever it is. Yeah. And the transfer of all of those, you know, nutrients and chemicals and whatnot also does a very good job of keeping you hydrated. So when you drink too much bourbon, you don't die. Yeah. But at the same time, that's exactly why anything that's surrounded by water will eventually just crumble because it's the water's literally chemi- chemically pulling it apart. I'm like, oh, like that's fascinating. Now. It is amazing. <laughs> like, it's like that's super neat. So that makes sense with the metal and the the bourbon tearing the the building apart. It does. And <laughs> Let's see, we got some ice too. If you want to, after you drink that, if you want to change the profile. Oh, you just do? so you know, yeah. There's ice over here. What's the proof on? Yeah, which one was? Oh, that one's. Only, I think it's 101 or something like that. Was this that second bottle? Was this the first one that I had? Oh, shit, I don't remember. You got to keep track of your own. Yeah, because that first one was really do the round robin yeah. of bourbon. This was yeah. I didn't have. I'm gonna try this one. Compare but, it. But yeah. yeah, so the 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 point that I was making and Tony is agreeing with is that we we do the bourbon thing, and you know bourbon's gotten to a point it's so trendy now that these people will wait in line to buy anything that is allocated. And that, what I mean by allocated is is it's almost like a unicorn term now because like it becomes whatever's the next hot bottle. Yeah, dif- difficult to get. Is there, how do they do? That? Is there anything? Is is it just they have, they only have so many bottles per yeah, state like, that they give, or is it like there's some kind of weird like way the they big, do it? The big thing is uh, if you and people that are that do this are nicknamed taters. That's taters. A, if you want to Google that, it's actually an official. <laughs> it's an official. Do you know? Term do for, you know the origin of that? No, I, I, I read either. about I it. Yeah, I don't either. I, I read about it. Yeah, well, let's find They're the origin castle. of tater. That's what we'll give her a job on that one. I don't know. I read an article about it, and the guy kept using the term tater, and I'm like, that's fucking hilarious. Like, I'm going to call people tater. Oh. <laughs> that hit me a lot different than the other one did. That's surprising. So if you if you want to see the most disgusted look on a liquor store uh, employee's face... You go into a liquor store and hey, you ask, "Hey, do you guys have any Blantons? Do you guys have any Blantons?" And you will just <laughs> see their, you will see the blood they get, they get just that, like, run five, from their face. Yeah, you should have just there. asked for their firstborn. They stuff. might, they might try to murder you because it's just so frustrating of a question. And it got to the point where, like, I've made friends with like the Bueller's people, but there's like twenty of them. So it's like it depends on when I go in there. And it's like, I won't even ask. If it's somebody new, I won't even ask because they're just going to be like, fuck this guy. He's just a tater. Yeah, this guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the joke is like Blanton's is like the Ralph Lauren now of bourbon. Like it's mainstream. It's high-end brand. Right. It's what everybody claims. That's where they want to start when you get into bourbon. Bourbon's gotten to the point where, you know, I got into it, I don't know, 10 years ago because I, I, I couldn't for the life of me figure out why people really, really enjoyed scotch. It was like, and I was entering the business world, I'm and st- I'm still trying to answer that question. You go, you go to these fancy dinners, <laughs> and pretty bad. You go to these fancy dinners, and it was like a competition. I remember getting made fun of because somebody had me taste this double peated something, whatever, and it was like I think it was like eighty dollars for a pour, and 
I take a sip of it and I, my face was just like, like you could, they could see the disgust and they were like mad at me for not being able to choke it down. So like scotch, like your level of sophistication is the abilities to straight face something shit. that tastes. Sorry, I don't like, like your dick water. Yeah, take your shit. <laughs> it's like the uh, the IPA movement. Yes, like yeah. The, 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 the shittier it tastes, the more I pretend the more to bitter like it. it is. <laughs> and so I, for the life of me, like I, so I found the scotches that I thought tasted the best, which I think like a Glenlivet is a pretty manageable scotch, but it's still scotch. And I'm like, I don't like. So eventually, I taste. Somebody was like, "Have you ever had bourbon?" I'm like, "What? Wow, what is that?" Like, because at the time, American whiskey was like thought of as bottom shelf shit. It was swill. It was stuff people drank just to get drunk. Some of it is. It is. It is. <laughs> well, and that's why you didn't. You didn't know. Like when you turn 21, people have you do the three wise men, and it's disgusting. Right. You know, Jose, Jack, and Jim, and it's just like, ugh. <laughs> that's, that's horrible. It's like these are horrible. There, these yeah. are terrible people to drink. I don't like them. Uh, and then you realize the flavor profiles, and it's like, all right, you know, I might sound like, I might sound like I'm a little soft, but like I love vanillas and I love caramels and I like those flavor profiles. And Tony knows my favorite uh, bourbon uh, profile. It's it's green the, apple, the corn, the corn and the wheats. Yeah. They give you the they give you the caramel apples, green, like all the they, these are good flavors. Yeah. It's not like what, well, I've, to, I, yeah. I was, I've told smoke, Tony this. Leather, smoke, leather, yeah. yeah. regret, well, like, I'm tree a, bark and moss. <laughs> yeah, like, I've been a huge fan of um, port finished. Yeah, oh, and yeah. Um, yeah, and stout finished barrels too. Yeah. I really like I really like those. So if you find any. You know, not too expensive ones out there. They're, Keep they're me in line because I'm a huge port and style yeah. finished barrel fan. We'll get you something. We can find that easily. And that's the thing. It's like it's sweet without the sugar. Yeah. So like, I mean, and I don't like a lot of sugar. I'm a little pudgier than Tony and you, but I I enjoy the sweet flavor. But I like have never other than ice cream. I do love ice cream, but like I don't like eating a lot of like sugar because yeah. a it's terrible for you and b it just becomes like an addiction. And some of them, they're like they don't, they're not necessarily like sweet in the same context what people you would think of as sweet. Because I don't like candy. Like right. I can't, I just yeah. can't do yeah. it. But like, there's some bourbons I've had are just way too sweet. Some are way too sweet. I agree. But like, just I maybe that's why I like the like the the finished ones, just because it's like they have just a touch. It gives mm. that little just a smoothness to it, and that's good. Which one did you have? Do you was you it that, this one? Yeah. yeah. So that this one's really good. That's the one you like. Yeah, this one. Yeah. This one's good, but yeah, that they're one's... both like the same proof. No, I'm on this one here. You're on this one. Yeah. Oh, this one. This that one's, one's a lot smoother. Yeah. This, this one's, one's got a little more spice to it. This yeah. one's okay. So I'll I'll be interested to try that one again. Yeah, this one's super smooth. This one. That's why it took me off guard because I'm like, well, they're both 101. Like, yeah. Very different. She's, dynamically different beasts. She's yeah. struggling to find this tater origin. She was laughing over there. She was found she? something funny. No, there's just it's. Keep saying that it's very mysterious. Okay, that's one of those. Um, I like, like it. Taters Somebody's are very they're com they are defensive on Reddit. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, like, taters are. Yeah, yeah, they are defensive, and you're probably a bourbon snob if you yep. would call someone a tater. Yeah. according to the taters on Reddit, I'll, I'll, I will own the bourbon snob thing. But the thing about taters is. Yeah, fuck what, taters. taters. So I I, what exactly? Like, so we don't know why, but it's just. So they they go in. They'll stand in line and they'll they'll ruthlessly acquire without the intent of drinking. I mean, yeah. So fuck taters, fuck taters. Yeah. So then they'll they'll go online and there's a lot of Facebook groups and they keep getting shut down and you got to like be very like crafty and careful. But they'll they'll buy Blantons for fifty five and they'll turn around and they'll either raffle them off, which I'll admit, like 
I have gotten into a couple of the raffles because it's like some of my favorite bottles are on there and I can't find them anywhere ever. And they'll, they'll like, there's a $38 retail bottle that's favorite of mine. It's called Elmer T. Lee. They'll get it. Somebody will have it. They'll post it. And it's like, oh, fuck. It's like, I'm drinking. It's a Friday night. It's like 30, yeah, it's like a $30 you. entry into a, they do a 10 person raffle. So 10 times three. So he's making 300 bucks on a $38 bottle. Right. So it does hurt, but it's like, all right, but I'm not paying more than retail for it. And I don't want to support this, but you can't get it. <laughs> you need a, uh, just like for like Amazon shopping, yeah. you need like a, a breathalyzer on your phone, mm-hmm. like oh, to open this app. But you have to, you have to blow beneath the, uh, the driving. It feels, <laughs> it feels more fair though, because I'm paying $30 for a spot. I know the guy's making a profit, but like if I win and I did win one. So I got, now I got a nice, uh, Elmer Teeley, a new bottle that I got to pick up Monday, but it's like, I don't like supporting the profit, but, but it's inevitable. Don't like standing in line. Right. For... And this is America. This is America. Like this capitalism is kind of, it's finest. capitalism at its finest. <laughs> so the problem is though, like people know when the pallets drop. So like the, most of this is all Buffalo trace products. You know, I saw your Buffalo there. I thought at first it was whiskey related, but you got no. a pig on top. So it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> so well, yeah, those are a whole different Buffalo trace so. is the name of the distillery. Right. And then they have all of the most sought after brands. Right. So, you know, yeah, they have it, some good brands. Yeah. And that's was, even like I joked about the benchmark, but man, $15 for a handle of whiskey, it's that's about well, as good as it's going to get. My brother was just had benchmark uh, barrel proof, and that's a $20 bottle, and, and it's really good. And he was basically like the guy at the store. And, and like I said, my oldest brother doesn't have kids, so he still. He still hunts and he still talks he's to like these time. people. He's got a lot of yeah. sounds a little taterish, bro. It's a little. He's he's, he's he is a tater. But <laughs> no, he doesn't flip them though. He, he doesn't flip them. them. He keeps them and dude. he drinks them and he shares them. Oh yeah. well, yeah. Then that's yeah. That's and that, and that's, that's what. He's just and an enthusiast. He's like a redskin, not like an Idaho reset or anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's that's why you know for Tony and I, it's like even when I find like really good stuff, it's almost like you don't even want to drink it anymore because like I I want to drink stuff that I can try and find easily and i want to leave that bullshit game out there for somebody yeah, else something readily available because if you like it then yeah. you're like oh i get this one bottle and that's all i ever get yeah people are not on to this uh eagle oh the, yeah uh, the rare breed here i'm not a huge i'm not a huge fan of the the rye but the, the you don't like that rye. one no it's good i, I don't you think, try it t- today again i haven't tried not that probably, that better, probably better revisit it. but um i like the regular i like the regular the rare breed yeah better than the rye it's very good the michter's has a i swear it'll be the next thing in a year or two like it's probably the best right michter's single barrel rye is still now one of my i think i bottles. gave you a bottle that didn't i no I, I don't love it it's right no you didn't give me one of those I, i'll have one that you can have do you i like the barrel strength rye. you can get them on the shelf yeah you can't find the barrel strength rye anywhere though no um i have one bottle that left yeah but when i'm talking about something i could walk into bueller's and just be like, I really love this. I can buy it whenever I want. That's what Blanton's used to be. Right. I, and that's why I joke, like, growing up, you know, after drinking age, you could buy a bottle of Blanton's. I used to have a little bar in my old house that only had four bottles on it. And the, bar, the bar I have now in my new house has, like, 50 bottles on it, and then, like, got another 50 stored underneath. <laughs> Dude, I just think there's cause. more than 50. But yeah. Stay humble. I like it. Yeah. But it, and, and part of that is just because, like you said, it it's became a hobby. You pick something, you do it. But Tony and I and people, I only let people try stuff. That's why I got mad at my dad when he was just taking shots of it. It's like, 
I was like, you know, if he wasn't you, mixing it, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> people post pictures of those online all the time. No, we're not going there. Nope, we're not people, going there. People will do that on these these bourbon groups. They'll put an expensive bottle and a bottle of Coke next oh, to it and no. be like, my favorite mixer. And it gets a lot of people all jazzed up, and I'm like, you know, the guy's just, just messing around. Yeah. yeah, or who cares? It's not your bottle. Drink it is. It however, yeah. Drink it however you want to drink yeah. it. If you if you want to steal your husband's uh, bottle of George T. Stag and and mix it, uh, you can do that. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking. <laughs> about. I thought you said wife? we weren't going there. Not going to go there, boys. <laughs> well, that's what I found because I I'm not nearly on your guys' level whatsoever. But I did find I I'm kind of upset that it's made in Portland, but I really like the Woodenville Port. Oh, gas finishers. Dude, nothing wrong with, with yeah. that. No, I just, wrong. I just, <laughs> is it, I thought it was made in Washington. Oh state, yeah, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's made in Washington. Yeah, oh, state. yeah not, not Portland. Sorry. I'll say he's got a bottle up there. Yeah. Where is it at? I think you're. Good, I think you're good to go. They're like they're pro gun friendly these days, aren't they? Quincy, Quincy, Washington. Well, the state of Washington. Oh, about that. Yeah. Is it, how that? How that trial go? Oh, that wasn't in Washington, was it? That was in Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah that was Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, that's it was right. a, the other W. Washington's oh, yeah, different. Yeah. Washington's a different. Completely different. different. But the, I mean, and the states are branching out, which I appreciate. And I was going to make the joke that, you know, I don't want to sound like a hipster, but I almost don't want to tell people I enjoy bourbon anymore because it's become such a thing. One of those things. It's one of those things now where it's like everybody's into it, and then you got to like start over. And I've had neighbors over, and they don't get it. They don't get it at all. I'm like, all right, and I always do the joke. I pull out a bottle of scotch. I'm like, just smell it. Like, you don't have to taste it. It's like, then just smell this. It's like, you don't have to taste it. It's like, here's the difference. And people, like, they will. They'll smell it and be like, oh, I'm like, yeah, it's fucking disgusting. <laughs> and then they'll smell that and they'll be like, oh, this, you know, it smells really, really good. And then they'll want to taste it and they taste it and they don't like it necessarily because you're just not ready for that level of burn. Right. Um, when you're tasting, what do, you, what do, you, do you hit them with something higher than eighty proof? I mean, no, I, I, I usually proofs, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do newbies on bourbon, I'll pull out like you said a store pick of Eagle Rare. Okay. Or this is what ninety proof? Yeah. Or my wife has celiac disease, so she had to stop drinking beer a long time ago. So she was drinking wine. Obviously, the seltzers are you know a big thing these days too, or easy drinkers. But she started drinking bourbon too. She in a million years never thought she would like it. She didn't want, you know, this and that. It's too, ugh, I can't. Yeah, I'm just the same way. So every once in a while, yeah. do some do some bourbon. And it's. I'll make sure to get benchmark though, when I want to add it to my Diet Coke. Yeah, yeah. You can <laughs> yeah. just. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's like a that. Jack and Coke still. I still drink yeah. that. And that's because that, yeah, the flavor profile there. Jack single, bur- single barrel barrel proof. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, well, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think too, you talked about, you know, the whole bourbon thing and the bourbon scene is seen kind of as, you know, highfalutin or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe not even yeah. like. The whatever well, it's it is. trendy, it's the trendy, trendy, the trendy yeah. thing, and I think a lot of people don't realize that because, like I said, I'm not on your guys' level by any means, but I found that I found something that I do enjoy drinking mm-hmm. just like you know, have a glass of bourbon without any ice, no mixers, or anything like that. And it's different than you know, you drink a beer, all right, it's a bunch of calories, not the yeah, if that's if that's not your concern, okay, well, I can drink a couple glasses of bourbon or I can drink a couple glasses of beer and then pee for the next two hours. Yeah. Or, like, okay, if it's not the calories and it's not, you know, the worried about just constantly drinking so much fluid, it, it's just something different that it's yeah. whatever you like. It doesn't, doesn't have you, to be like you so. skip the carbs. You right. know, if you're drinking it and eat, skip the carbs. We went out to lunch yesterday, uh, my wife and I, and without the kids, and we wanted to watch that football game, OSU versus Michigan State. It was terrible. But I ordered a beer, and she's like, do you want a tall or short? And I was like, well, I'm getting hot wings. I was like, I'll just sip on a beer, like a tall beer for the afternoon. I 
it's noon, so I didn't need to like get all ripped up. <laughs> she brings out this cannon sized mug that I, you know, can barely, I can barely, you know, my wrist strength, I can barely lift it up and drink it. And I'm like, how the, how the hell do people drink this much liquid? And I have a brother in law who won a bottle of the Pappy, the rarest bottle of bourbon you can win, went to a uh, Miller Lite drinking brother in law of mine. Because I had him sign up for the lottery, and I'm not going to call him out in this podcast, but he, <laughs> he ended up he, well. He ended up selling the bottle for a lot of money because he retails two hundred fifty dollars. And you'd almost think he may have promised that bottle to someone else. I, it, it, felt, it felt like it. <laughs> you know, it offering, felt like I thought. You know? <laughs> I thought. Uh, I thought at the time when he won, I was like, "This is awesome!" Like, I'll nobody is going to have this bottle in their collection. I'm going to be able to bring people in my basement and point to a bottle that nobody's ever seen before. And uh, every, like everybody, That's obviously not the case. When I said <laughs> when I said uh, paradigms, and everybody lives in different worlds, like his paradigm was different, and you know, I res- I respected the fact that the money meant more to him than the bourbon, but I didn't respect the fact that we could have owned that bottle and we could have had it and whatever. So that that's because that's a hard bottle. You'll never win it again. I think and that was four years ago now. I think he. I think you could sell that bottle for four thousand dollars now. Is that a twenty three year? Yeah, that's the twenty three year. Yeah, it's probably at least three for sure. Three or so. three plus. And so, it's it's just like, hey, you know, you have these things, and and I did, and I joked with Tony and and my brothers who were like, the fuck, because like, <laughs> they're all into it too, and and you say into it, and you're not at our level. Nobody's at any level. A lot of this is bullshit, and we just know what we like. But I I joked with my brothers, and and to the point where we won't pay more than retail if we don't have to. Every now and then, you might be in a situation where you do it. But I always joke, it's still brown, and it just it burns on the way down. Like no matter what you do, the subtleties are so so small that you know don't don't get hung up on whether you're good at it or not. Nobody is. It's all yeah. I I I guess I I I said that to kind of like bridge the gap yeah because the same place i was years ago when tony really really started getting into it and he was having me try all these things and i hadn't acquired the palette for you to be able to decipher some of those things Mm -hmm. and now like i wish i'd go back and try some of those ones that like because we drank some good ones and it was like i don't even like i don't don't remember but like it wasn't until recently where i was able to try some and go oh that's not what i like Mm -hmm. oh this is what i like and when you get to that point, just finding that middle of the road, decent priced bottle that you enjoy drinking, it doesn't even necessarily, some of them don't burn all the way yeah. down. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. I like this. Yeah. I found something that I just enjoy. Well, like, same same story, but same brother-in-law. We did a, you know, this was back in like eight or nine years ago. We did a, we did a taste off because there are people, and I always joked when we were partying, you know, in backyards and bonfires. Like, there's no fucking way you can tell me the difference between Coors, Miller, Bud Light, Bush Light, Natty Light. There's no fucking way you can get oh, them all for right. Sure way. No, there's no way. For sure way. There's no fucking way. So Next we, podcast, I know what we're <laughs> yeah. doing. We did it. And these are hardcore. Like, I was a Bud Light drinker at the time. I'm like, I like Bud Light. If I Some of them are, are real, real close. You can, I will give so you here's what happened. We did six because I'm like, if you do two, maybe most people get it right. You, you do six, there's no fucking way one person at this party gets it right. And I said, I'll put a hundred dollars on it, and 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 people put in ten dollars, so there's ten people. I collected a hundred dollars. I'm like, you guys are stupid. Like, there's no <laughs> chance. They're all the fucking same. They're all watered down. 
you know, non Pilsner or their Pilsner beers, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to do it. Like, you'd have to find somebody that like does it quite a bit. The you know, pe- the people who loved Miller Lite got Miller Lite correct, and th- I mean, part of it was a joke because I'm like, you guys don't drink the rest of them, so you're not going to know. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. You, that's what I'm saying. You'd have to know, but you could do it. But you would have to drink all six of them regularly, and these were all beers that were at the party that everybody drank regularly. Right. So everybody tasted them like before. I'm like, you can do whatever you want. Taste them first. Practice. You know, practice. Take notes in your done. head. It could be, but I promise you, you will get two or three of them wrong. Oh yeah, I mean more than likely, unless yeah. you you know you're skilled. But and I don't mean to be like I'm not like bragging like oh I'm so smart. I'm just saying like bourbon's the same way. Like we, you get to a point where like when you learn your palate a little bit, and I would say I'm amateur. The people that write articles are just like you know they're they're using tasting notes that I don't even know what they are sometimes. Like I don't know, some of the words that they use, I'm like, what is that? Tarragon, yeah. cardamom. Yeah, 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 I don't know any of that. I just it's know like like, like you said, I know. Okay, these are the kind of things like I yeah. know, like rise. I like rise. Marzipan. I like rise yeah. without ice cubes because yeah. one tip for me, like especially like this, well, turkey. You put an ice cube in it, it starts. It tastes like crap. To yeah. Me. yeah. But I, I like that's as far as I go. Like I know I like port cast yeah. finished bourbons and rise. I like neat. Other than that, and that's the point. That's like about, you can, <laughs> that's about sometimes all I, I can tell when it's a weeded bourbon versus a rye versus one that's like. Traditional rye for sure. Yeah. You got that spice. Let me ask you this. How about like the different distilleries? So like if if you were like, hey, Dickel versus, you know, Wild Turkey Russell, like, Mm -hmm. dude, I I can easily be like, oh yeah, that's the, that's a profile right there. Because like, even like a Heaven Hill is a high corn profile whiskey. So the mash bill, explain that a little bit. That's just, so in order to be considered a kentucky straight bourbon obviously they you have to be from kentucky it's kind of some stupid law that they created for themselves because they believe in like the limestone water that go like you said you talk about water and and the the minerals and stuff that can go into it so kentucky straight bourbon is from kentucky limestone water all that stuff but bourbon in general has to be if you want to call it a bourbon that's why washington and texas and they they can all get into bourbon because you just have to have created a whiskey which is like the parent company of all all brown corn based liquor right cuz all all bourbon is whiskey but not all whiskey is bourbon yeah whiskey is like the you know if you wanted to say christianity and then you started going out into the catholics protestants lutherans and all that cuz you know, scotch. <laughs> that sounded beautifully sacrilegious. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, a, hey, Jesus drank. <laughs> so, whiskey, did he drink or did he just? He just made the drinks. Water water. Yeah, yeah, he like, just made the drinks. He's and, just the bartender. I like to think of my Jesus as a. <laughs> and like uh, mo- Muslims would be like gin, and then there's all kinds of yeah. gins. So, like uh, whiskey, like uh, scotch is whiskey. Jack Daniels is whiskey. It's all they're all whiskeys because they're aged in oak barrels. Um, and then bourbon has to be at least fifty one percent corn so when they make the mash they put corn in they put all these uh, ingredients in where it starts to to break down and digest into alcohol so you ferment yeah when you get into those tanks and you can see like the bubbles the stuff bubbling up if you've ever been to the i haven't that's a good time i'd like to go yeah take a tour there's a few more things too for the bourbon besides the 51 percent corn no that's it for bourbon just 51% corn. Oh, there's going to be a fight. No, no, no. <laughs> there's not going to be a fight, but I, I think to be considered bourbon, there's a few more things. So it's there's an age, age like, what is it? If it's, there's something about two years, 
Otherwise, you have to commit the age statement on the bottle. Yeah, It can't go in the barrel above 160, and it can't be pulled at below 80 proof. And it doesn't have to be Kentucky, but it has to be American, I think. Semantics. And there might be there might be some one other thing. American, but the is it virgin? Virgin oak. I thought it was. You're right. I thought it was virgin oak, but I feel like there's been some other people that are calling them bourbons and they're not. They're probably virgin oaks. And and so he's right. There's a lot of other nuances to it, but I always just. Yeah, and I, I wasn't trying to. No, you're like, right though. He's right. You. No, no, no. I just wanted for clarity's sake because I guarantee someone's going to be like, "Oh no, that's not true." He's There's right. other yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. I'm if just that, trying to keep. I know how people if they, are. If they listen to this podcast and that's the first time they're yeah. like, "Oh, that's not true," like, so you they got a, more problems than that. A, trust me. You get a comment calling me out on my generalizations. Yeah, yeah. if that's the only problem you've yeah. had with this she'll, podcast, she'll look ever. it up. There's a couple of yeah. Virgin Oak is a big. That has to be in Virgin Oak. Says the mass. Mash has to be distilled at 160 proof or less. Uh-huh. Um, bourbon oh. must be aged in a charred white oak barrel yep. that has not been used previously. Virgin. Um, it has to be made in the U.S. Uh-huh. The only virgin we know. <laughs> um, the barrel used for aging a whiskey considered a bourbon must be charred white oak barrel by law. Yep. Oh, and by a completely law. new one. By law. Um, those are the only ones. And then so made do, in the USA was the last one. So what do they do yep. with the barrels? After the, the first batch. The 80 proof for sure, though, too. Yeah. You can't be below proof. that 80 no. proof. And well, no, that's because then you can sell it at a gas station. So they take... <laughs> you can't sell bourbon. <laughs> yeah. and I, you can like in the said, state. Yeah. You 100% can. Uh, Nebraska that, does it. God bless them. That's, that's the best part of enjoying bourbon and not being 100% expert is I, you generalize and you move on. Yeah. Tony, you got specific. He's right. We don't need to get called out in the comment section. Somebody wants to call us out. <laughs> Somebody probably would. But the, the, so the point being is like, yeah, it's an American thing. But what they, what they do with the old barrels when they're done is they send them to Scotland. Oh, make scotch makes, or they send them to wineries that'll put, or, wine, yeah. or wine they'll do they they're getting real creative or they'll sell them to consumers to stick in their basement mm-hmm. things like that so it's getting real like it's getting it's a big business right now business is a booming business is booming but you know the whole point of the whole thing is like tony and i will buy if i have a nice bottle i will invite anybody over that enjoys it to taste it. I don't care not the to price. Just take shots of it. No, not to take shots of it. <laughs> Dad. Mark. But, th- and that's the point. And you ended up making a network of friends. I have Tony. I have like five or six other people, my brothers. Like, we will all taste and share money off the table. Nobody bickers. Nobody's like, I owed you $20 for tasting, you know, your $100 bottle. Nobody does that. Right. And that's the rule. And that's the fellowship camaraderie. Like you do it to get together. It's a reason to get together. We're not experts. Um, that's why I joked. Like we had to do that tasting to be like, I hope that this thousand dollar bottle is noticeably better yeah, than right, this right. twenty dollar bottle. But if you would have put four in there, I wouldn't have been able to maybe pick out which was which. And that was why I made right. the light beer joke because you could put six of the best bourbons on the table, and I'd have a hard time being like, all right, that one's that one, that one's that one. Right. You get a couple of them right. Now, what Tony said earlier, if you were smart, what you would do is you'd go do like a Jim, Jim Beam brand. You'd do a Buffalo brand. You'd do like a Jack Daniels brand. Yeah. Then you could probably start to get pretty Absolutely. accurate. Yeah, some of profiles. And- yeah. But that was why I said light beer. Because it was right. like, if you gave me the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection, which is one of the most highly sought after six bottle releases that they do every year. Well, five bottle. This five year. bottle. Sorry. Yeah. And then they put up the Pappy. Yeah. They got rid of the... George is it, C. Stagg. the George C. Stags out this year? 
And then the, you have the Pappy Van Winkle collection, and, and you can see what those are. It's basically, that's six bottles as well. Two. Well, you got what? The they, got a, they got a rye, a family, and then you got 12, the rye, 15, the old rip. 20, and 23. Yep. So it's one of those things. You say you don't have time. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? You always make fun of me that I have more time on my hands. You just spend your time differently. No, so I don't make fun of you. I just do three things at once, dude. Uh, well, while you're texting on this shitter, I've got two monitors on this shitter. Yeah. And my phone's right, on. Yeah. Memorizing, memorizing bottles of bourbon. Yeah. No, those are, that's just that's standard, man. You'd learn that once, and you'd, if you were into it, you'd go, oh, I, I know. I, I'm I just giving that. you a hard time. I know. <laughs> I wish we could get them, though. I'd love to. We don't drink them enough to be able to. You don't. Figure that's why that that was the, again the joke about the light beers. Like you got a Miller Light drinker who's trying to identify, you know, Labatt Blue Light. It's like you're not gonna be able to figure that out. Like, right. You can't. And we couldn't either because we don't taste them enough. We wouldn't taste all six of those. And there's you know twelve of them. You put all twelve of them up there, and it'd be a fucking shit show of trying to figure out which one was which. You'd have no idea. Maybe a couple if you're lucky. Yeah, you get a couple of them. I, I don't know. I'd be I'd be hard pressed because I don't taste them enough. Obviously, if you put all twelve of those most rare bourbons that Buffalo Trace makes. Oh yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that. I might be able to figure out one that Maybe I the own wheat versus the rye. Yeah, yeah you'd be able to figure out the rye, and then you'd go from there. But that's all the, the for for me, and and especially recently because I started getting into like trying to to have the best collection. Then I realized how expensive it was. Then I realized how point. <laughs> then I realized how pointless it got. And that's why I like. To- that's why I said just make a network of people. And when they get something cool that you want to taste, come over. And that's what we do yeah. now. Or I mean, if if we're in the store, like it would just if there's we like oh if we can get that like you want one yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then someone just mules it back for them. Yeah, there's stuff. Right. There's like, times. How many times I've sent like. I've sent Tony a couple pictures before. I'm like, hey, this. And I would say 75% of the time, he's like, no, that's shit. Okay. Just never, never seen it before. I figured yeah. I'd run it past you. Bro, that's, that's my porn is when people send me bourbon. <laughs> exactly. I don't want nudes. I want yeah. bourbon pictures. Yeah. And that's why there's stuff he likes that I don't like. When I see it, I'll pick it up and I'll give it to him. I'll usually be like, hey, you still want this stuff? Oh, yeah. Uh, and I'll do it for him. I get, that's why I said, if I'm there, I see it. He Venmo's me. He, he's an upstanding citizen because he'll Venmo me as soon as I buy it, which is very. I'll Venmo you before you buy it. A very rare quality in a person because I know a few people that'll get the bottle and then I'll be like, hey, you still owe me $60 for that bottle or whatever it is. Yeah, that's. that's There's more people like that, though, in the world than the other way around. Like, I'm more like Tony. Like, I'm like paying you to a fault. Or even when I'm gambling and I lose my bet, like, I pay right away. And then most people will hope you forget about it. It's like, no, I, yeah, see, I, I don't want to forget about it. Cause I'm like, then I feel bad. I would I'm rather like, have oh, someone shit. owe me money than owe them money. Exactly. Cause now you owe me a favor mm-hmm. and I'll collect on that. <laughs> I'll collect on that shit. <laughs> yeah. But th- those Ash types of people, <laughs> those types of people don't remember that they owe you money. So they don't think they owe you a favor. Well, I don't mind problem. reminding them or yeah. beating their fucking ass. So that's what, yeah. that's the difference. Yeah. I can learn a few things from Tony, <laughs> but I always just feel bad. You notice that a lot about business owners, though, too. Like, there's just a lot of people who don't know how to run a business. Oh, yeah. I mean, for for Tony's business, like, it's just running it well puts you in an echelon of success. And it's not hard. Just Yeah, that's what, like you said, it's not hard. Like, Rogue, rogue like, and I've talked to other people and referred them. It's like, they get back to you quick. They quote you fair. And then when, when you say yes, they show up for the job. They follow through. Yeah, and props to Corey Parsons for that. Corey, so. yeah. Oh, yeah, he he, yeah, it's a lot of work. It like, is a lot of work. But yes. that's, I, I deal with customers all the time. And like, there's 
people don't understand like, well, this business doesn't do this or that, whatever. It's like, all you have to do to run a, even a remotely successful business is just do what you're going to say. Uh-huh. Dude, That's which, it. That's, how, okay. Customers all the time would be like, I can't believe you showed up on time. And I'm like, what do you mean? I enjoy porterhouses and good bourbon. <laughs> I'm going to show up and make yeah. money. Yeah. I, th- th- that part just does, it fascinates me. Like, this is what, this is what I, I'm going to do. This is when I'll be there. And this is. Is what it's going to be. Yeah, but that it's like, that that obviously came from somewhere with all of us, man. I don't know if it goes back to you know uh-huh. the anomaly of your family with the five boys, uh-huh. and you know that was you know, taught to you. I don't know if it was my father being a in the military uh-huh. and a, a law enforcement. I don't know, you know, if you figured that out on your own. I don't know. If that came. I remember. From, I remember hearing when I was growing up. I don't know my grandpa because he died. I think this was the grandpa that died, like as. I was basically born, but he was known to say, if you're late or if, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. If you're late, don't even bother showing up. Yeah. And it was like, okay, well, and it means something. Cause then like when you get, Hey, let's meet at four o'clock. All right. Four o'clock. We'll be there Four fifteen rolls around. All right. Now I'm fucking irritated because uh-huh. you're You just wasted 15 minutes of my time minimum. Uh-huh. Like I don't want to do it to somebody else. So yeah, I don't expect. Like, <laughs> so dude, here's a, here's a monkey wrench in that. What about foreign countries, though? Were they pretty, like, just lousy? Cult- there's about- culture stuff. Yeah, yeah. And culture that, stuff's one thing. Yeah, I, that's what I was asking. I mean, it, there's a lot of countries that when they show up, they just show up, and they don't find that disrespectful. Like, why do you think that in our culture it is disrespectful? Well, I think it's, to me, I guess this is, to me, what it is, is if I, if I don't know for sure that I can do something, then I won't say I can. Yeah. It's the, the disrespect and the annoying thing to me is when someone says, this is when I'll be there at 4, and then they don't yeah. show up till 4.30. Why didn't you just tell me 4.30? Yeah. A lot because of if you're going to be there at 4.30, then... That's so like Tony, because I've worked with a lot of different cultures. I think a lot of that's a capitalism thing. Okay. You you can be... If you don't show up on time, like, nobody's not impressed if you show up on time. There are a lot of people that aren't impressed when you don't show up on time. Yeah. And then you can be fired for it, whereas in, like, other countries, it's it's very laid back. You know, there's not a lot of aggressive, like, you're you're out, this guy's in. There's just people that operate that way because there's not a lot of options and, and they don't, they're not as intense about it either. They're just like, we're just trying to get some stuff done in a very casual time frame, And that's where, you know, we can get into kind of the, the stuff that's changing, but like prior to this and like our culture was, you know, work hard, a lot mm-hmm. of hours. So people were more impressed with showing up on time and like that diligence and that business stuff. But other countries aren't, they're not like that, and they have different economic structures and different cultures around. I mean, do you do you think one's better than the other? I mean, you, I don't work with foreign people like you do. Do you feel like the foreign people that you work with that take more holidays, that don't have the constraints of the time that we do, are happier? That they're more joyful? That they enjoy life to a different degree? Yeah, I think this. I so think, you're saying we're fucking up? <laughs> I well, I I wouldn't have said that three years ago because it was like, oh, this is why we're the best country in the world. But a lot of things have changed to the point where you're you're kind of reanalyzing what it means to be happy, and that's where we all are, and that's where I'm talking to you about like, you know, what I because I I was on a fast track for success, and a lot of it involved relocating and going up that ladder, and after these last two years, I just am like, I'm it it used to be okay to do that and make those sacrifices, and people almost revered you for it for for to some degree now you're you're looking at like i'm talking to tony i'm like i don't know like i'm looking at 
you know, risk reward and, and time output. And I'm like, I'm okay with that now. Like you, the hero stuff is gone. Like yeah. you used to be thought of as a hard ass and a hard worker. Like if you were sick and you came into the office and you got through it, well, now that's like changed. Like you got the plague, you can't come in. All of this stuff is different now. Cass, pull that? up uh, if you can. There, there was something I, I saw online about, I think it was like the CEO of Google, and he talked about the five balls and juggling them. I don't mm-hmm. know if you saw that quote. Mm-mm. I don't know if you saw that quote. Pull, pull, it's, it, it literally plays into exactly what you're saying. And they talk about family, work, health, those things. And you see if you can pull that up. It plays yeah. in perfectly. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot There's of people. There's a YouTube are, video. Was it a uh, was it a video? It was a video, but there's a quote that goes along with it that's okay. probably easier. There's like five balls that you're always juggling, is what he was saying, uh-huh. and like uh, there's like four that are rubber or no, four that are glass and one that's rubber, and the one that's rubber is work. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. There's Imagine awesome. life is a game of five balls that you manipulate in the air, trying not to fall. These balls, one of them is rubber, the rest is glass. The five balls are work, family, health, friends, soul. It's weird coming from the CEO of Google. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking too. I, yeah, well, I usually I, once I see them quoting stuff, I'm like, all right, well, you're just making shit up to look like an. It will not person. be long before you realize that work is a rubber ball. Whenever you fall, you will jump again, while the other balls are made of glass. If one of them falls, it will not return to its previous form. Yeah. Yeah. Reread the reread the ones outside of work again, if you don't mind. Work, family, health, friends, soul. Good. Yeah. I get that. I think a lot of people, like you said, are realizing that they're reassessing, mm-hmm. reevaluating what their life means. I think I was, that's one thing and I've been semi lucky. I think this year it's really, or this past couple of years have really instilled that on me. Um, but we've always kind of taken the approach, particularly in the last few years where it's, you know, I've said it before where, you know, we didn't necessarily grow up, you know, working hard, like families mm-hmm. worked hard and, but not super like, wasn't financially well off or anything. And my, when I was a kid, my, my idea of success was, we talked about success Mm -hmm. earlier. My idea of success was pay my bills on time. I can eat good food. And eventually if I can be debt free, like that's, that's all the success I ever really wanted in life. And then once you get to that, that $70,000 a year job or whatever it is, I, you know, some people, they hit that and they go, okay, then I want 140 Mm -hmm. then I want 280 then I want to be making half a million a year, then Mm -hmm. a million. And I think that realization that set in recently with a lot of people is, oh, I found a job or I found this career, whatever it is, or I started a business. I, I can make enough money to take care of my family. What else do I really need? What's next? Like, yeah, like maybe what's next is I can just go sit back on my lawn chair and look at my backyard and just enjoy it uh-huh. with my family now. Like, uh-huh. I think a lot of people are making that realization of it. You know, uh, so many things have changed and it's like what you said you know you're fortunate enough to be able to like at least i was the my company sent us all home march of last year it's like two weeks to flatten the curve you know that's a loaded statement <laughs> 600 and, days later <laughs> but you know to have the fortune and and to be home with family for two years is is a in and of itself a rare experience right now, what are they trying to accomplish with a lot of this stuff? You know, that's a whole that's a whole nother podcast in and of itself. And we can touch on that, but it's like, all right, I've been home. People are not wanting to come into the office. You know, we you know we can talk about the the vaccine mandates and all the stuff that go along with that. And it's like, 
we were at a we had a meeting in in a in a city that I had to fly to, and it was like half the people videoed in, and the other half had like family events, and then I had a meeting in Detroit that I chose to go down to Amish country with my wife over instead of like normally I would have canceled on that and been like we got to like reschedule that I need to be at this meeting. Right. I videoed into the meeting instead and just you know did it from the computer at the the inn that we were staying at. And it was like, people are choosing family now over work, and mm-hmm. you're seeing that. And it is funny because it's happening, but it's like, why is it happening? And it's like, because people are caring less. They care a lot less about this stuff. Right. And I told, you know, I've talked to Tony about this stuff too, and it's just like, you're starting to see and realize what's happening out there, and they've kept us home, and they're keeping us home probably for a reason, and they're pushing all these people to stay inside their bubbles. and we're working through it as a as a company too and the biggest problem they have now is you know the vaccine mandates and reporting papers and submitting your status and things like that are all very you know the younger generation knows it's all very orwellian you know we all Mm -hmm. read the novels and we all learned from that book and everybody said this was a precursor or, or a blueprint or a playbook, whatever you want to call it. Dude's a fucking time traveler. <laughs> he was good. He had to have been. And, and you're <laughs> seeing, but a lot of people aren't seeing it. And they, you know, I was, I was with a friend last night and it was like, I was speaking my mind at a very high level. Cause I'm always very careful to go all in or not. Right. And you know, he didn't make any comments back and you could just tell he didn't care. Cause the people that are on the inside the circle right now, they don't care yet. I right. keep saying you don't care yet until they keep pushing it to a level until where you, you do yeah, care. Yeah, the circle gets small enough where you're starting to be on the outside. The circle of it. gets small enough, and I mean, you're seeing companies they're starting they're going to start terminating people and letting people go, and they're doing this whole thing, and it's just like, what's the what's the point? Right. And I, you know, I not you like you said not to get conspiratorial, but you go back to like they started this out as as pub, a public health measure. It was all for public health. And it's like, all right, like I'll play that logic game because I will. You'll you'll talk to people that are, I don't know, I always say inside or outside the matrix, depending on what day it is. <laughs> it's like, all right, you talk to the people inside the matrix and you're like, well, maybe it is better inside the matrix and maybe they're right and I'm wrong. I don't know. Like you never know. Right. You don't know. And you're constantly, and my wife and I are constantly in this battle of are we in or out or are we right or wrong? And you talk to them and you're just kind of like, all right. I was like, I like to play the logic game. Let's just start with critical thinking. And I don't even care where you could be a hardcore. You could think I'm a nut for thinking what I think. I wouldn't care. I'll say anything without going a mile deep. And I'll say, start the logic game. Mm -hmm. All right. Public health. If it was about public health, then there wouldn't be allowed a profit to be made. Oh, but the shots are free. They're free, yeah. But yeah. They're free because because someone's paying the, someone's paying for them. The government's buying them all mm-hmm. or your health insurance if you have it is I don't even know. Well, did you see they I think was it was it Pfizer or Merck? They just signed a 5. $5.9 billion five point, deal the for their pill. Buying $5.4 billion worth of their pills. Yeah, yeah. their pills. It was, it was it was over 5 billion. I was like, "Oh, yeah." Yeah. So the government's buying them at an egregious profit. And then the, so again, you talk about public health, profit should have been off the table. So we did, we're getting into Rona a little bit here. Yeah. <laughs> just at a high, 
Just at a high level. Yeah, it's just at a high level because it's, you know, I'm struggling just with the the fact that people can't see this stuff just from a critical thinking standpoint. And I should preface this, uh, and unfortunately, and I've told Tony this, like, and this is why, you know, I talk to Tony. I, I think I give him more ideas and thoughts than he can me because he's a renaissance man out there working, doing his jobs, running companies and stuff. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a guy who's being forced to work at home on a computer all day, every day. So when I tell people, like, I'm not coming from a basis of knowledge where I read Twitter feeds and stupid shit. I read everything. Mm. NIH documents, CDC, World Health stuff. And like you said, you can be a data analyst and you start reading. You start reading the fact that they are putting all this stuff out there. If you wanted to find the information to disprove everything, they've put it all out there. Yeah. That's one of my things that I've, I've had this conversation. We only started talking about really in depth, like we've joked about mm-hmm. COVID since, you know, the beginning. Um, but we've kind of, I've gotten to the point where I've been kind of pushed to the the edge mm-hmm. where it's like, this doesn't make a lot, a lot of these things don't make sense anymore. Like I'm not going to get into like, I've had people actually last week, someone said something about the vaccines and you know, their Bill Gates is chipping us and they're mm-hmm. magnetic. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going there. Like right. you, it's fun. If you want to go there you and have fun there, with it, yeah. you can't, but I get stuck at the numbers just don't like, I'll take I started, I put some, we talked about it a couple episodes ago where they went right when they rolled the shot out for the five to 11 year olds. Yeah. So there's just using the CDC's data and just facts and data. There's 40 plus million kids that age. Uh, there's been 6 million of them that have tested positive right. for Corona and only 170 of them have died from Corona. 400 of them if have that. died from the flu. Uh, and 10,000 have died from other causes since the whole beginning yeah. of this thing. So let's be focused on the 10,000 that what that's, what's concerning to me. Not, I mean, I get, I don't want kids to die, Yeah. but if we're going to be concerned about the health crisis and we're going to be concerned about data and facts and uh-huh. numbers, then what about those 10,000 kids? Or what about the over half a million people that die every year from cardiac related illnesses? Uh-huh. Like, well, in, in the, just using the numbers, it just doesn't like, that's where I start. Like the, yeah. I stop right there. Cause it just doesn't make sense. So like, forget the Bill Gates trying to chip us or George Soros is trying to depopulate the world or like, that's fun. But if we're having a serious conversation, yeah, starting off right at the bat, none of it makes sense to me. Public health is where they started with this. Yeah. And I, and like I said, my simple commentary is based on like a lot of reading. I've spent a ton of time and Tony knows this, like, and I don't even mean to, it's almost to the point where I used to love reading novels and books and all, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, my wife knows that and she almost like, yeah, it's almost unhealthy amount of time you spend on this. I'm like, I don't know. Is it? Cause I, you can't like now navigate the world without having some knowledge. Yeah. I'm not reading the Dan Brown novels, the fiction stuff anymore, because it's like, all right, that's a waste of time. Even though some of those fiction novels are probably projecting some realities, and and maybe they are, like George Orwell. Yeah, but and Animal and farm. I, <laughs> well, and I, I, you know, I talk to older people, and it's like I don't mind it being a personal choice. Like you know, there's a lot of shit that you can read about it, but if if you think the cost benefits are there for you, but to force everybody to do it, that's a whole other 
a whole nother uh, issue. Yeah. And then you go from, all right, public health, we talked about, shouldn't be allowed to make a profit, especially if the government's spending all this money on this stuff. I thought it was print more. It's fine. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> 50%. A whole nother, yeah, a whole nother difference. It's got to be over 35%. All right. So like I said, you, and this is the logic game you try to play with people. It's like we've gone from public health. They shouldn't be allowed to make a profit. It's like if if these things were doing for the world what they say they were, why aren't they sharing the formulas? It should be open source. Mm-hmm. All of this should be on an open source database somewhere where everybody's looking at it, reading about it, and and for their country, doing what's best for their countries as well. And then you 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 listen to the interviews of the people explain to you why. And you know one of those pre- people might have the initials of BG. And it's like you listen to that guy talk, and it's just like the way he moves his hands and his eye contact, you're like, I've never seen a worse liar in my entire <laughs> life than that person. Speaking of it, have you, did you see the clip of him talking about Epstein? Uh, yeah, we Where all saw that. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's he's, like, uh, well, he's dead now. So yeah, I mean, and he got, gotta be careful. He got frustrated. <laughs> I watched the whole thing. He got frustrated because she kept pressing him. But like, when yeah. you keep pressing somebody when they don't answer you, and then they give you something like that, you're like, Oh, okay, you you made it a lot worse now. Than <laughs> yeah, but dude, better. why wouldn't she press him? Like, I'm not well, saying he did anything wrong, all, but I'm you were associated shocked. with someone who was on an island of fucking pedophilia. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm surprised that she was pressing him because he was willing to do an interview, obviously, because it was on PBS. <laughs> and um, I was shocked that she pressed him, but like, even just the, an ounce of him being pressed turned into a very monstrous response. At yeah, the end. I couldn't believe that when he said that, I was like, wait, did he just, did he really just say that? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if anybody watched his interview on MSNBC in Davos from like three years ago where they were talking about, and I'll, I can send you the, somebody made a short clip of it after the fact. And, and, and it's hysterical because they started the clip out and then, you know, they play that. I don't know what the music is where like things sound like they're getting crazier and crazier. Right. I don't know the the name of the jingle, but the clip starts off with, you know, her, and this was three years ago, pre pre Rona. And they're talking about, you know, his philanthropy, but like investments in, in these bio pharmaceutical type companies. And he's talking about, and, you know, he does this a lot, and it's just kind of like, what the fuck, man? This is weird. I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like the Ricky Bobby thing. And he's and and she's asking him like in an impressive manner about like, oh, your investments in these things and the return on investments with these things. And she's like, you know, you're not talking about like if you had just invested it in the S and P five hundred and reinvested dividends. You know, you're talking about a three to four percent return on investment, all this stuff. She's like, you're talking about a 20 to one return on investment. And he's like, yeah, you know, you're talking about, you know, 10 to 20, you know, to one return on, and like, he can't help but smile. Like, well, he's talking about this stuff either. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, I don't want, I just, I want to go back to the matrix where I grew I up. Know. I want to go back <laughs> yeah. to where I grew up. You know, I just want to, you know, get the corporate gig and, and enjoy it. Like he said, sit in the backyard with the kids and not have to, think that this shit's really happening but then they end the the thing with like you're talking about you know like 200 billion dollar like return on investment when you're talking about 20 to 1 he's invested 10 yeah and getting 200 billion in return and then they played the rest of the video and it ended with him being like it's been the best investment of my life 
that's how they ended the video. And that was the that was a legitimate interview that you can go out and watch on MSNBC, where he's interviewed by uh, one of the uh, female correspondents from that that the like business side right. of MSNBC. It's like they started, and you have to see it, and and I'll send it to you guys later. And that's when you're just like, oh, it's just like it's so obvious. That, and they and he was the one trying to explain why they they wouldn't share the formulas. Like, well, why won't you open source this stuff? And and initially his excuse was like, well, these are clean facilities. Like, you know what it takes to like manufacture this type of stuff. It's like semiconductors, medical, bio stuff, clean. You can't just open one of these factories up overnight. And then one of the countries like got on the news the next day and be like, we've got like four idle like factories for this type of clean operation. Yeah, we're like, ready to go. Ready to go. Open like, source we, it. If this is like going to save lives, like let's do it. Nothing. Right. There's definitely some, there's definitely some fuckery that goes on. It's and I wonder, I wonder how much the, cause we, we talk about like how technology and the exponential growth of it is in one hand, really screwing us over as a human race. Uh-huh. Some of the things that, you know, talk about social media networks and all these different things and the algorithms and whatnot. But at the same time, like without this technological, te- technological growth, like I wonder, you know, they're not able to hide their chicanery anymore Uh because people find out about it like and people are leaking it and you know just um you know not necessarily to bring this up but this is a really good example of like the rittenhouse case if you didn't see the video if the video wasn't there yeah it's already up it already looks bad the whole situation but if you didn't see the video it would sound really 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 bad Uh but then you see the video and it's like oh well this wasn't what i was being told what it was so now, like, whether it be government officials or these corporations, you know, whether polluting and doing all the different things or like the uh, Stephen Donziger, I don't know if you're familiar with his case. He was uh-uh. he was basically part of a lawsuit. Um, was, it, was it Chevron? It was one of the big oh. down in. Yeah, like, yeah. He, they were like destroying the, the rainforest. And now he's sitting in jail yeah. because he wouldn't give up his laptop to this corporation that he was like suing and like all these just. Yeah. Now, but now we're seeing all this stuff play out yeah. and it's like, oh, you guys have been doing this for decades, Yeah. but now we can just see the fuckery. I think it's a generational like, thing, but there's still a lot of people that just don't want to look. It's yeah. pretty hard to sit in a room with four people that don't think any one of us is crazy. It's legitimately. Per- right. Well, I think a lot, I had this conversation with a, a friend uh, the other day. They're like, um, they were like kind of upset like me like why all these people see this shit like why how can people not like see this how can you just not see it yeah well because they're not they're not one looking. they're not looking for it and if you're not looking for it and two they don't want to see it you know they're going to work they're busy yeah, they're, you know they're complacent and comfortable right they're they're working a full-time job they're taking care of their family they got it's more than that they got a new season of their favorite tv show you, to watch when they get home if you like, right but if you admit one thing like if and and you know uh you can't change somebody's opinion. Like even if you think you did, they still have the same opinion. No, they have to do it for themselves. Right. And so they don't want to look. And that's what I've kind of figured out. And, you know, my wife's a good example. Like she doesn't want to hear or see or know any of this stuff for the most part, but she started looking because she has a medical background with this stuff. She started looking and I think it's kind of driving her nuts because it's like, Hey, I've been, I've, I've, I'm 10 or 12 years conditioned into this 
feeling of knowing and understanding that I'm, I'm being lied to all the time, all the time. Mm. I don't, and I don't mean that jokingly. We're lied to all the time. You know, when the FDA comes out and, and does the, you're not a horse, you're not a cow, like people, please stop. It's like, well, that's a bold-faced lie just in and of basic facts. And Tony knows what I'm talking about. It's like yeah. We've talked about this. Yeah, and, they, and it's yeah. just like, that's the FDA. So it's like, if they're willing to tweet something so ignorant and stupid as that, it's like, all right. Every, a lot of things they've done probably over the last 30 years and beyond and into the future, most of them are probably lies. And yeah. so it's like... Something as basic as they told you that, you know, taking aspirin during COVID or during, like, they told you that that was bad. And everything I've read is this is more of a a blood disease than like a cold or congestion or like a lung disease. Like, it starts as more of a blood disease, works its way in, and you can kind of understand the whys. And it's like, well, now they're telling you not to take aspirin. So they, they've known, because you can read it in their own papers, and I have. It's like it's more of a blood-related disease, and they're telling you not to take aspirin. Well, what does aspirin do? It thins your blood a little bit, right. which is good for you if you're dealing with a... Yeah, inflammatory, cardiovascular. Inflammatory, cardiovascular. <laughs> yeah, Tony, correct me if I'm wrong, because like I said, I'm not a doctor. I'm just one that sits on the toilet and plays <laughs> one on the internet. Right. And so and when people, like, I realized that probably 12 years ago with other things. And I don't know if it was always just my nature uh, because I remember arguing with, you know, my uncles and cousins and stuff. And it's just like, I, I don't ever tell people I know anything. And my uncle reads books that confirm his biases and opinions of, of subject matter. And I didn't know anything about this JFK assassination stuff. And we ain't going there because I don't know shit about it. But, <laughs> but I know that uh, bullet was not. Yeah. I've I seen mean, we've, the bullet and that didn't go through somebody. You know, I've, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I've, I've watched the Seinfeld episode about the magic loogie to get the, the premise of what happened uh, for JFK. And it's like, he, I remember being at a holiday and he was telling me about all this and that. And I'm like, how do you know? He's like, well, he's like, I'm, I read this book. I'm hundred percent certain. And it almost turned into a fist fight with my uncle because I'm like, but you weren't there. Like you still have no idea. Right. I see you. And he he's like, know the earth is round either. Tony. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I, I, <laughs> I, whatever. I, I, I joke a lot about, I don't know that the earth is round mm-hmm. because I've never been high enough to see the curvature. See, I consider that a mature comment. (laughs) I consider that mature. I didn't, whether you're right, you don't know if you're right or wrong is your point. Yeah, I believe that the earth is spherical or whatever the name is for, because it's not, it's like an oblong Whatever, I don't care what you believe. I believe it is, but I don't know. Uh, If if you were a NASA astronaut that I trusted, and I would believe you then if you said this is this, I'd be like, all right, I, I feel closer to actual anecdote than anything. And then no different than my experience with Tony and his work, which we won't discuss. I feel closer to the truth because of an anecdote of somebody that I know and trust who's right. done things that he's telling me that he believes versus anything I read on the internet. But the, at least it opens your mind to understanding you don't know anything. And the, right. the minute that you can at least admit that and that you are probably being lied to 99% of the time, you can then start to think for yourself. Yeah, and that's, that's it. That's the key because I think it's realizing that you don't one that you don't know you don't, you only know what you know. Hmm? So you don't know what you don't know, and when you realize that there's so many things that you can't 
prove yourself. Mm -hmm. So that if you can't prove it yourself, that means you don't know it. Yeah. Um, and just looking at questioning things like to question everything. And a lot of people like, especially like, I don't know if it was QAnon that like had the whole like question everything or that, you know, we yeah. have the great awakening map hanging up cause it's fun. I don't know but, anything about it, but it looks cool. Oh, it's the, um, like lizard aliens and Nazis have like a base in that one, yeah. Antarctica and all, all this stuff. Joking. I, yeah, I've touched. All yeah. I'm, I'm sure if you kind of, <laughs> but question, <laughs> every, like question, everything doesn't mean, well, I think there are lizard, lizard aliens that are drinking adrenochrome under, uh -huh. you know, Clinton's basement. You know, what? Just because I question one thing doesn't mean I think it's all craziness or just because I question a vaccine or I have questions about a vaccine yeah. doesn't mean I'm an anti-vaxxer. No. Like, so all the terminology itself is psychological warfare. All of it. I mean, even the term conspiracy theorist is like a critical thinker. You could say the same thing. Like it's all psycho. It's all being done on purpose. Like everybody knows this. These terms are being used. Anti-vaxxer was created to be used as propaganda, no different than horse paste or whatever. And I, like I said, I don't know Adam from Eve. And that was the joke about the JFK story. Like, I'm like, you know, cause even my cousins all started piling in and it was like, <laughs> fuck, like, they're like, if you're saying that, then like, you don't fucking believe anything. And it's like, I'm not saying that. I was like, I don't know anything. I go, and I'm willing to admit it. Right. I go, but I'm going to operate in this world trying to, to do the best I can with what I think I might know. I mean, it turned into like a huge brawl of like, you can't keep saying that because you're always going to win the argument then. I'm like, who said not, I go, who not said unless you, winning an argument. Yeah, I, go, yes. I go, not unless you were there. I go, if you were on that fucking grassy knoll and I know you and I trust you and you tell me what you know and what you saw, I go, then I'll believe you 90%. It's not even the Tony. Like, if you tell me what's happening and what you've done and what you know and what you've seen, I'm going to believe you. Do I think whatever you're doing is a silver bullet? Probably not. It might not work on people. It might not help some people. These bodies are so weird and confusing. Like, it might not. Right. But in generalities, like, you have to navigate the world in, in generalities with what you think and what you know. And you only know what... For the most part, you can touch and see and feel and have done for yourself. That's why everybody's paradigm is so constructed of their own experience that it's like, I don't expect you to, if you start on, on these topics, and I know that, you know, with your poster and, <laughs> and friendships that we can enter at a level that we are, we're copacetic here where we can talk about it. But I told Tony a lot and my wife knows too. I'm like, I operate in a world that you guys would just throw up if you even just lived in my world for a day. It'd make you puke. <laughs> Why do you say that? <laughs> I mean, these are, this is like people who believe. I mean, I, I talk to people who believe that what's happening is the right thing to do and for public health and that that these people that are being fired are stupid oh, and yeah. that we need to get rid of these. But I live with these people day to day. Like I, like you, pro I don't know. Maybe you do. I could be wrong. I'm in a much more corporatized white collar like existence where it's like, are you hearing yourselves? Like right. these are your, these were your friends. These were people that, that you respected as colleagues and that you, you respected their work. 
and now you're like they should shouldn't be here because of this right and i was like do we we started at you know the two weeks to shorten the curve to not over inundate hospitals so that we could reach herd immunity to to this bastion this bastard of whatever it is that we're doing today it's like how did we go from that where we were just like trying to mellow this out to you know and even like any company was worried about like sending you home and your mental health like let's talk about that like we were doing virtual happy hours are you okay how are things going are you set up do you need anything to firing you before you're even like coming back to work yeah and there's even some people that are even going above and beyond that and there are that you know saying if you if you don't you know take the vaccine or whatever like okay then you shouldn't be given health care at all some of these other countries are doing some crazy stuff yeah i mean austria is locked everybody down australia has been a police state for a while now um but i think yeah. part of it too is i and i've realized this from um i was never on twitter at all i'm I, not on twitter yet. i i just recently got on because mainly it was just for the show mm. honestly i was off almost every single social media app until we started this and then i started like all right well gotta kind of put it out there so people can connect with it whatever um but realizing this from twitter i really saw it where the loudest people speak most frequently uh-huh. and the most extreme people are the loudest that speak most frequently and particularly in spaces like that you know so i think people just people just say shit just to get a rise out of people and especially online i don't know there's most time I think probably 75% of the interactions online, Twitter and Instagram and even Facebook are fake interactions. They're yeah. the troll farms or have you, have you, I always yeah. like to use the, have you watched uh, the dissonant? It's the, yeah. um, who is it? Brian Fogel is a documentary that he did about Jamal Khashoggi. Uh-huh. Really good. Really. It, but he talks about that, but in that they touch on that Saudi Arabia has, like a whole, a giant room of just Twitter propaganda people. Uh-huh. Like there's, I think there was like 50 to a hundred people in the room yeah. and each room had like 20, like 50 accounts. And there, it's just constant. Like, you oh, don't think don't other countries that. are doing that? Like, and all that. So like how many, like it only takes you five seconds to go read like Facebook comments to see like, Oh, I agree. Oh, this, I support this makes sense. Like just go on like frontline. Like I follow frontline on Facebook. Is it frontline? Frontline. That's like a BBC or a, I don't know. I'm not familiar. It's it's like a PBS thing, Frontline. Gotcha. I don't know what it is. And like just to go in and read the comments, like when they post an article, it's just like, you can't be real. Like these people yeah. can't be real. <laughs> like this can't be real. Yeah. And to even, and to even think you're going to have some kind of meaningful conversation. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you almost like have that. to, like I said, you have to disband a lot of that. But like going back to like, can you talk to people anymore? It's almost like you can't. Yeah, I think in the really corporate tough. setting, it makes it really hard because you're constantly afraid of, all right, what am I going to say that someone like that one person is going to take out of context and they're going to report me and I'm going to lose my job yeah. for saying something that, you know, I make Tony talk. I'm going to use the restroom. You got to tell a story now. Tell, I don't know what story I'm telling. <laughs> I don't know, if, I, if I feel, I feel like I, I don't know. You're looking at me like, yeah, we can crazy. pause it. That's all right. No, I'm, just, just, I'm listening, man. We'll do a pause. Far away. Yeah, Go we'll ahead. Do a pause. Yeah. Go ahead razor thing when you try to get a little outside the box on what could really be going on right yeah but fuck man if, if the horse beats don't point to a horse like you better start looking at zebras the law parsimony <laughs> yeah. 
or maybe the most likely situation is that the government's trying to do a bunch of fuckery. People, <laughs> people aren't paying attention. I mean, it doesn't take a scientist to watch enough movies to know that people have been doing fuckery and Occam's razor is usually not the right answer. Um, maybe it is. They just they like to think sometimes in, in different simplicity. In different simplicity, like I think in a in a small setting where something goofy happens, you can play Occam's razor. But in a large setting of a and this is kind of the uh, what's that? Yeah, pull it a little closer. A little closer. Yeah. I think in a in a large setting of like uh, when you're looking at what's going on today, you have to realize that it's uh, there's a massive amount of coordination that is required to pull these things off. Yeah. And I don't even know if I'd go as far as to say coordination. I think there's a couple of things that people that I've just learned in the last um, couple of years is the amount of the amount of interactions and different things that are happening. So we, uh, we've talked, we had a guy on who's like a China expert and he really talked about like global, he's like a mm-hmm. historical kind of geopolitical, like that was, that's his thing. Um, but he talks about just how all the different countries working together and all these different things happen. And, you know, one little thing can just change so much. Mm-hmm. And when you, you know, you have people, when you put people into the mix, you know, people are messy, funny, weird creatures mm-hmm. that do things that some people just, we don't think should yeah. be done. Like if you're talking about nature, all right, the simplest answer is more than likely mm-hmm. the right one. I get that. But people aren't simple. People aren't straightforward. And then when you start putting millions and millions of them together in these tribal units and then connecting them with other tribal units around the world, like we're in a situation now with the technology and everything that I think to we need to learn from history, but we have to realize that we are in new territory with so many different things. And I think that's one thing that people kind of leave out of the equation is like, well, the simplest answer is probably the right one. Okay. Well, the simplest answer might be when you're dealing with humans, good fucking luck. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like When you're dealing with humans. Yes. When you're dealing with people, who've gotten to where they are based on belief systems that none of us can understand or not a part of. I still go back to the coordination. I mean, you're, you couldn't be president of the United States. No, I promise. No, oh, yeah, though. there's no way. So especially after doing this show, like they find that. Shit, like they could, <laughs> yeah. But that's what I mean. Like when you just, when you talk about coordination and I think it's because I've, I've starting to see it at a corporate level of, all these people sit on each other's boards, mm-hmm. you know, and not to be conspiratorial, but like the CEO of Reuters, the news organization, is on the board of Pfizer. It's like, all right, and that's a, these are just small causal connections. If you really wanted to like build a web, oh, and, there's a ton of them. You look at Scott Gottlieb. Who's that? Um, I think it's Scott Scott Gottlieb. He so he's a oh, major yeah. contributor on CNBC, which he used to be the head of the FDA. Mm-hmm. And I think he sits, is it Pfizer? Or one, it's one of them. He sits on one of their boards. It was Pfizer, yeah. And it's like. So that's, what, that's like, where I get. There's with, just too many connections. Like, that's where I get with coordination. And it's just kind of like, you know, there's a lot of new buzzwords and lingos going around in business. And, you know, they're, without going into a lot of detail, it, it, it feels like more coordination of, of events. 
companies wanting to work with companies that have similar beliefs and things mm -hmm. like that. So I don't know where that's going. It could be a good thing because, I mean, some of it's around environmental and governance and social stuff. And they, they're they placing a high importance on it. And anytime something new comes out, lingo-wise, you're just kind of like, who's making, who's making this stuff up? And... I don't know. It's it's tricky because it's just like very well coordinated. It's no different than what we're experiencing, and <clears throat> the fact that you know they're they're calling it public health, but they won't talk about anything else but one thing. Anything else healthy? Yeah, anything <laughs> else healthy. Uh, now I know we're energy drinks and bourbon and stuff, but and that's a different story. So it's just it's hard because I see it, and I you know I've talked off the record about it with people, and it's just kind of like. Where does this end? Because they're not giving anything back. They're never going to give it back. Oh, yeah. And it's a slippery slope. You know, and I've found myself in the middle of it. And I've, you know, I'm not happy with, with where I'm at with things. And that's where we talk about, you know, that old school vision of success and what it looks like and who you are today and versus, you know, I've talked about to some degree it's just like this stuff is almost so overwhelming that like you feel like you're pulling further out of the matrix and you're like i'm just ready to burn it all down and yeah. go somewhere and start over yeah but where like how do you, you know what i mean it's you realize that's that... the tricky question <laughs> tony yeah. and i have talked and he's joked with me he's like yeah i hear you bro i hear you but you know there's this to think about so, I mean, and it's redefining what does it mean to take care of your family? What does it mean to protect your family? So, you know, if I'm on the outside looking in, if I can create a, an atmosphere where they can be insulated or isolated, whatever word you want to use, yeah, maybe that's it. And then there is no answer. Tony and I have talked about it. I'll talk about it today. There is no right or wrong answer. You know, selling out versus doing it for your family versus being a man. Those blurred lines are very confusing now. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh yeah, no. I mean, we've we've had the discussion a lot, but particularly with, I think the there's nothing that makes it more real. I think for the average person than the the vaccine mandate mm -hmm. because it's now it's it's putting people on a spot. If you not, we'll put the anti-vaxer and all the conspiracies aside. If you look at it just from the standpoint of I don't think I need this. I'm a healthy individual. Uh -huh. My chances of, you know, health without the vaccine are, are very, very good. I don't have a fear uh -huh. of this thing. And it, it really struck me personally about, well, about six months to nine months ago when all the data started coming out where, okay, you can still get it. So you can still contract it. You can still contract COVID. You can still, you know, spread covid yeah. you can still get sick from it you know all right maybe it's lessened but if i can still give it to somebody else and if i can if i can still get it and yeah. give it what is it what's the really what's the difference there what are, so now it's more of a even a, a statistical thing where i don't feel like i need it yeah. i don't feel like my kids need it because they're you know healthy you know if you're i've even said it before like i would suggest if you're if you're older if you're you know you're overweight mm -hmm. you know all these different things all right, I get it. Yeah, it makes sense. Like it, it might be a maybe. really. I know. If we're just talking about you, I, yeah. I get it. But why are we forcing this thing on people that doesn't do what you said it was going to do? If they don't need it, and now all of a sudden it's, 
well, now you, you can no longer provide for your family unless you do mm-hmm. get it. And it's like, oof, like this is putting us in a really weird position where it's pretty uncharted territory. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. And I, I get why people get so upset about it because it's like, well, you know, do I, do you, do you do it just so you can keep working your nine to five and, mm-hmm. you know, keep, you know, making the payments on our, you know, the two cars and the house and the boat and all these things are, yeah. you know, it's, and then we, some people will look at that. Well, I, they, they don't think about it, you know, well, I'm not, I don't, I don't think it's dangerous. I don't think the vaccine's going to kill me, but that's, I'm not necessarily saying that either. That's not the point. The point is if I don't need something, how am I being forced by a government to yeah. do it, to take care in order to take care of my family? It's that's concerning. It's astounding to see. And even the, the retroactive aspect of it, like they're still forcing you to take the same one that they created a year ago or however long ago it was created. And it was like, you know, we've known and they'll admit and talk about how these things are mutating as has every virus known to man. So it's like, all right, well, you built one to fight something that might not even really be as prevalent, if at all, today. Yeah, and the studies have come out that show that after, I love it, most of the studies I've seen, or like the the information they provide, is like the three to five month. Like, oh, this is, it wanes, you know, maybe about 10% Uh from like three to five months. All right, well, when you look at after that, it starts continuing to decrease at the same rate. Yeah. So it's like, so after 10 months, it's, all right, now it's like 30% effective. And then what's it after a year? What's it after a year and a half, two years? Like, well, why do you think they're approving boosters for everybody? Because the protection against it wanes over time. Mm -hmm. So is this where we're at? Are are we, everyone okay with just every six months? You gotta, you gotta get another shot. Like what if it, it's every two months, like when does, when does all this circular ridiculousness, like when's it okay? You know, I think it never, it's never better. It's a, the best example of it was the, um, the, like the lab leak hypothesis mm-hmm. where if you said, if you talked about that for the first year, kicked off, yeah. kicked off of all platforms, yeah. you can't, you're completely shut out and now it's, oh, well, yeah, that's a thing. And now. I don't know if I sent if I sent you guys, I saw a headline where it was Anthony Fauci was saying that like well basically gain of function research is a meaningless term. I watched I watched that the video. I was like what? What do you mean it's a meaningless term? Like that that doesn't even like those are words put together in a sentence so they mean something. Mm-hmm. And like like when people I I don't see how people can see stuff like that and just go, "Oh okay, well, no big deal." Cuz they're not willing to look. <laughs> like, they're not willing to look. It's that plain and simple. That's why I, I try to keep, and, and maybe I'm good at it because of the environment that I'm in. I try to keep things so basic that it's like, you can't actually argue with me. You can't. Because you cannot argue with me about public health, which is what most people quote. Right. You cannot argue with me that profit should be involved in public health. Especially if most of the people that are taking the public health angle don't necessarily even believe in profit to begin with. Right from a pol- politics or an economics perspective. So I just, I continue, and I, maybe it's because I do this for a living when I explain things to people. It can get very complicated. You're talking about any business, anything. Even if you're trying to explain to somebody, you know, why cutting this tree down costs five grand versus cutting that tree down costs $1,000. It's 
It's like if you go into 50 reasons why it costs 5000 to cut that tree down, they think you're full of shit. But if you give them like two reasons where you're like extra equipment and it's fucking 20 feet taller and you just say that over and over again, they'd be like, okay, that makes sense. But I deal with people every day that try to like start putting their own thoughts and they start going on tangents and they can't bring them back. And it's like, now these people think you have no credibility. So you've explained something away. You had the right reasons. You knew the reasons you did it. And then he went off on like six tangents and these people think you're full of shit now. Like it's that simple from like a negotiation or just doing a typical business discussion. This topic is the same thing. Public health, profit, open source. End of story. Like you can go in a thousand different directions and they think you're nuts. And I've been reading this stuff for two years or whatever. And it's the same thing. You can start explaining to somebody, hey, they've moved the goalposts. What do you mean? Well, they're changing definitions. Well, that's, you're full of shit. They're not doing that. It's like, well, oh, how do you know? So that's the one that aggravates me the most. It's like, well, how do you, <laughs> it's like, well, how do you know? It's like, well, I have screenshots of the old one. I have screenshots of the new ones. Like, yeah, but like that's on the internet or, you know, that could be fake. Could be. You're right. Maybe. <laughs> I'm like, but I remember reading it in the beginning. Yeah. Not to mention we've discussed the CDC terms <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah. No, and they've moved, they continue to move the goalposts. But even if you bring that stuff up, I, you just have to go back to public health, profits, open source. Like, where are we at? Like, this is not right. Things have, are not right. This makes no sense. Yeah. yeah. Dude, then we should just all adopt Pascal's wager and tell paternalism to fuck right off. And we each just take <laughs> our own our own chance. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to explain that. I didn't, I didn't understand a word you just said. (laughs) Pascal's wager was, was basically like the idea that like, oh, there's a heaven or there's not a heaven. Okay. It was like, well, I'm not going to argue with you, but you just do what you need to do. And if I go to heaven and you don't, then that's the end result. Okay. So basically like you do what you need to do for your family. I'll do what I need to do for mine. Yeah. Paternalism was obviously, Hey, you need to get this vaccine because the government thinks they know better than you do what's appropriate for your health. So yeah. it's just, hey, send it, disintegrate the paternalism, fuck right off, and we'll just see what happens at the end of it. Yeah. That, that, and that's the, the, when I go back to coordination, like the, the, the abilities to continue to march forward with what is out there and known to me is astounding. It's just astounding. And like I said, you know, I, I joke with people and I mean this because it's like I've been trying like hell just to get through this and understand it. And, and it almost felt like I was about to step over the finish line from a, you know, mandate and whatever standpoint. And, and I'll say I say this to people that I work with, like. I just, at my age and statistically, you know, to me, it just seemed like, and my wife agrees, I felt like I was just doubling down on risk. And it's like, all right, and I play blackjack all the time. So the double down thing to me is is a funny (laughs) gambling term. But it's like, if if I've got a 17 and the dealer's showing a 10, I will not double down that hand to save my life. I won't double. I'll lose, almost guaranteed. So I'm like doing both getting vaccinated or getting COVID. Because I don't know. I mean, like you said, lab leak, whatever. If you get COVID, I don't know what, what it's going to do. And, and Like if you get it and it, and it affects you. Right. 
I'm just doing the best I can with information that I have, but I don't know what could happen. I know that it could be bad. I also know that drinking a lot can be bad, or I know that driving on the highway can be bad, and I know a lot of things that can be bad. But to knowingly just double down to protect yourself against something, it's like putting fucking two seatbelts on. It's like, I don't need two seatbelts. I got one. Like, I'm going to use this one. Double down. Like, why double down? I didn't get it. And I told my boss that, and he understood. And, um, you know, we're all, you know, we're all trying to follow along with the way the world is moving. And people get it. And it was just at some point, it was like, that was my reason. I was like, I thought I, I thought I got through it and I beat it. Like, I thought I beat the timeline. Like, we're almost two years in. Most people would be like, everybody's like so fucking tired of talking about it. They're like, I thought this was fucking over. It was almost over, right? Like, is this not? Is it not? And I'm like, yeah, I thought I beat it. I thought I got to the finish line. And then it was like, all right, no, you're going to, you could potentially, I'm not saying what they are or aren't doing, but like a lot of companies doing the same thing. Like, you could be terminated for not, you know, adhering to company policies. It's happening at hospitals and all over the place. I've been a nurse at this same facility for 12 years. You got a nurse here. And I have seven weeks. Yeah. And I'm going to get fired. Oh, wow. I didn't know My that. provider, who I had a screenshot from the CDC, they said there was no safety <laughs> data for um, individuals with um, autoimmune diseases. Mm-hmm. Well, I have two. Mm-hmm. Um, celiac being celiac one Celiac being one of them. I, oh, yeah. I got my you. wife That's doesn't want it. Yeah. And so um, I showed it to him and he said, they're wrong. It's not up to date. Yeah. We, have, we have plenty of of stats to prove that it's that it's perfectly fine. Yeah, that's the, the doctor <laughs> thing is astounding. No one, yeah. will, no one will write a medical exemption. And the same doctor no. would use the CDC as reference to why you should get it. Yeah, yeah. So, which is why I, which is why I went to the CDC. <laughs> like, this is what you're using, so I'm going to bring it yeah. to you, so you so you can understand mm-hmm. it in your own language. <laughs> and nobody will write a medical exemption. I had, I mean, not my. Every company is different, but I found that the, from what I've heard and know, the medical community is more open to granting religious exemptions because that is fanciful stuff that they can't understand. Mm -hmm. The business community is more apt to accept a medical exemption because they don't want to know what's wrong with you, but religion to them is you're making shit up. Like it's bullshit. And the Pope came out and endorsed it. So, yeah. like, Catholics are out. The Mormons came out and endorsed it. Like, so Christianity, all this stuff. It's like, you know, you have to have some pretty obscure religion from some very far-off, potentially far-off culture to be like, oh. Go with the spaghetti god. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's like in the business community. I don't know what the medical community is doing. And from an offline standpoint, I I could... I don't know if I could point you in the right direction later, but that's been what I know. And I know a lot of people that work in those areas and, and we've, Tony and I have talked about it to some degree and he's talked to his doctors about it and, you know, they're quoting, they're quoting stuff. I don't know if they ever followed up with you or not. So it did, but they never, well, I knew the answer to the question right I asked. I yeah. said, are there any longitudinal studies on an mrna vaccine that's actually been launched i know because people will be like 
this isn't new technology. I'm like, yeah, they're like, well, no, it's not new at all. It's, but it's never been used before yeah, because and his, a lot of their it. infectious disease doc was like, well, if something happens, it's going to be within the first two months. And by pop, by sheer population alone, you should be able to understand that there's not adverse effects. And I'm like, mm. did you see that? Did you read that? I read it. That link that oh, I sent yeah, you. I 100 read it about the inflammatory. Yeah. But, so, Tony, you're obviously a nurse practitioner. Not, long, not for long. <laughs> I don't how care long does it take until somebody is actually diagnosed with an autoimmune disease? Your symptoms start gradually. It takes a patient how long to come and complain? How long then does it take a provider to go, you know what? Some of those symptoms, they line up with whatever. So let's do lab work. I mean, sometimes it's months. Yeah. Years and then a year, like for an actual diagnosis, yeah. or, or it's a, it's a disease of exclusion, or you have to order all kinds of tests yep, until you have nothing to rule makes everything sense. Else out. Absolutely, and then you go, oh, I guess it's probably this because nothing else fit. And you're like, you're like Michaela Peterson who has to like go on a meat only diet to figure out what's wrong with her. Yeah. So how would we know that that's not happening, right? Like yeah, I work in a I, doctor's office. I know that they're not they're not keeping track of this. There's nowhere that no. they're like this patient had this immunization four months ago, and now they're coming in with migraines, you know, whatever. They're not fucking doing that. I know they're not, because I. that's what I oh, do. It's, I mean, that's very controlled studies to be able to look at those things. So I, since we're on the topic, anyway. and you can, no, yeah, yeah I get you, I get you. Um, and you can correct me, I'll try to make it what my understanding of that, sure. that study was. So there was a study out in California. Um, I don't remember the, the facility that was doing it. Um, but they were doing, they were doing a study for years, um, about what was it? They, they, they registered like five different, um, protein signatures in people's blood work. And they had a set, you know, amount of people that they were doing this regular testing. And this, I think it goes all the way back to, I want to say it was like 2016, mm -hmm. but so they were, they've been doing this for, for something obviously completely different than COVID and within the first two months after these groups finishing their second dose of the vaccine, they like, it was like, it was two and a half times the amount of inflammatory type issues they were having in, you know, their cardiovascular system. Uh -huh. And it was just like, so it, it was very medical. And I was like, Oh, like, I think this is, is that kind of basically, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't get to read the whole thing. Just it's the real short because yeah, I didn't. Well, just, well, I mean, that's just the abstract. Not, yeah. I just didn't have access yeah, the, to the right. article. But it was along the lines of uh, mRNA COVID vaccine dramatically increased endothelial inflammatory markers and ACS risk as measured by the PULS cardiac test. A warning, and like you said, it goes back to monitoring this for a while. These were the trends they saw. They had these five markers that had to do with inflammatory processes. All of a sudden. Things started to increase after we released these mRNA vaccines, and they're like, "What is going on?" Yeah, and it was that it was that change because it wasn't like you know they started the the reason I really liked liked that one you know quote unquote um, was because it wasn't something that they were doing to look at the vaccines. Mm -hmm. You know, they weren't that wasn't the point. Like they've been doing this for years before mm -hmm. this was ever a thing, and then all of a sudden, all of their you know patients or test subjects or whatever they are um, within that time frame of having your second dose, their markers more than doubled uh -huh. for this thing. And it was like, Hey, 
guys, this is a thing. Like, yeah, just that was the <laughs> like, American Heart Association journal. That wasn't just some bullshit journal either. Right. Well, and you have to go. Look, you have to go looking for it, though. Like, oh yeah, dude, it's, you won't see that on CNN. No, you got to go <laughs> yeah. looking for it. Right. So you just seeing those, it's like probably hey. won't see Jocelyn Maxwell on CNN either. But yeah, yeah, but you know, yeah, didn't that just, <laughs> didn't that just start? Uh, did. Yeah, did. yeah, yeah. You also, you also, what you won't see is that other case where that guy was coffee. Acqu- yeah, coffee was acquitted. Not, or found innocent of all charges. Who? It was. Okay. It was it, not the Green Mile. Not that John Coffee. John, John Coffee. Different no, coffee. I think it was. Was the name Andrew? Andrew yeah, Coffey? I think so. It was a very. It was a similar situation um, as Rittenhouse, uh-huh. but he's a black gentleman. Uh-huh. So they're not talking about that one. Well, I mean, and like <laughs> you said, like uh, the joke Tony made. I mean, I sent the. The, the meme out the other day was like, the only thing we got from the Maxwell case is a court sketch. I was like, and we've got yeah. 7,000 pictures of Kyle and everybody involved on yeah. in live feeds on the stands. It's like, I'd rather watch the other one, frankly. Yeah, like, I'm really curious as to the things that are coming out in that because. I mean, I, I knew the Rittenhouse kid was screwed no matter what. Even though he's been acquitted, he's still screwed. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know. It's it's tough because it's like you know, there's there are at least arguments to be made for everything. Mm-hmm. True. And that's, oh, hold on, let me ask for some. And I don't know how close you guys followed this, but it, let me ask for some clarification if you guys did follow that. But I saw a couple things I didn't know like how valid they were, but it seemed like uh, you know people kept arguing the crossing state lines thing, <laughs> yeah. and it, it I, I didn't as his dad lived like 20 minutes from where those things happened, but he was in Wisconsin. So it wasn't actually crossing state lines. No, his mom lived 20 miles from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Right. But didn't, wasn't he there lived, a parent yes. that lived in this state? His, yes. his no, dad no, no. and his grandparents. That's his, what I thought. His dad lived in, in Kenosha, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay, okay. And he didn't bring the gun across. Yeah. The yeah. And that was, that was the other thing. And so he like, worked the gun wasn't brought across. He worked there. And yeah. wasn't it, couldn't you own a rifle in that state at the age of 17? Yes. You can own long rifles, not handguns. Which was, and it was a uh, AR fifteen long rifle. Yeah, yeah. So basically, every argument that people, it was debunked by that right there. Alone. You guys know Barry Barry Weiss, correct? She used to work for the New York Times. Yeah, she's yeah. been on Joe Rogan a mm-hmm. couple times. She actually wrote an article. I have it. I send it. Send uh, it. Yeah, it's she basically, she basically uh, outlined the whole thing. Okay. In in what you like you're talking about was like, and she's just so disappointed. And I mean, they, they, they first they made it more of a racist narrative, and I was like, "How oh, weren't were the guys that own the store that he was defending Arab?" I, I don't and know. The I think guys I think white? a lot of the I think the protests were you know BLM, but people tagging along. It's because yeah. it was white people, yeah, marching, supporting black people, and that's why his wife's supremacy. Yeah, the Barry White. I'm just the. Good. I am just. Um, yeah. So it's not transporting not information I've the seen. The incident at hand with three white people. And to Arab people's store who is being defended, it's outside of the case. It had nothing to do with the case. Because there, were, there. there was a BLM protest going on at the time in the all, city. All. Because the three Tertiary victims facts. were yes. supporting yeah. BLM. Yes. Yeah, so to, to kind of touch on those, the factual things is, so he, he lived 30 minutes away. Mm-hmm. The state line, he literally lived with his mom on the state line. Okay. So he drove 30 minutes. He was 20 miles away. To his dad's and his, I think his, even as like his aunt and stuff lived there too. And that's where the gun was at. So when you think about that, like they, but they conveniently take out 
where he's at, how close he was. Cause true. I mean, so when I like when I go to the grocery store, I typically don't like go local for grocery. I go to Sam's Club. Oh, dude, that's I mean, I yeah, I'll, I'll drive that's right. 15, 20 minutes easily. I drive I drive forty five minutes when I go grocery shopping. So okay, like just just like and what's the state line? Mm-hmm. Like it's just a, an imaginary border. So no. like stop it. The gun was he was legal. He's a legal age to have it. I and he was getting chased, kicked hit with a skateboard and, it, and a gun pointed at him. Hold on. Even what, prior to that, didn't he put out like a dumpster fire or something? Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if that's true. I just, it, just say, yeah, I sent you the article. She yeah. okay. summed so, it up pretty okay. well. Yeah. My, my biggest thing is it's cause I didn't watch the, the court case. I didn't actually watch it. Like, cause I saw a footage cause I, I, um, cause I follow uh-huh. a bunch of stuff. I'll follow everything from MSNBC, CNN, Fox news. Tim I follow Temple, you know, yeah. Sager. I followed the, the two, I followed the guys, that, the one guy, um, Drew Hernandez, he yeah. was in the, the court case beca- uh-huh. um, because he took the footage. So I was following him at the time, like through all this. So he was a, a journalist or whatever people want to call him. He took the footage when it happened. So I saw it like literally the day it happened. So I remember seeing this and like walk, watching this kid, this young kid with an AR-15 running down the road, getting chased. He's getting kicked in the face. He's getting hit with a skateboard. And then the guy that lived that uh-huh. he shot had a pistol in his hand who that's fine. You know, I won't even talk about his, all their backgrounds. Cause I, it doesn't it, matter. It doesn't matter. It kind of does matter. No, it, it, oh, de- it depends on the, it depends on the argument, but, but so, let me finish. So, let me finish real quick. Okay. So he got kicked in the face. He got hit with a skateboard and he was getting approached with a gun pointed at him while he was laying on his back in the middle of the street after running away. That's those are the people he shot. Now, if we want to argue, should a 17-year-old kid be in the middle of these riots, protests, whatever, in the middle of the night with an AR-15, that's probably a really bad idea. Should an 18-year-old kid be in fucking war? Yeah. That's, you know, but I'm just saying. Not that much of an age difference. Wasn't he, like... wasn't his grandparents that owned a gas station or something? Isn't that why he I don't, was there I don't think initially? He was, maybe. Well, that was a good. That's a good excuse for a seventeen-year-old to. Yeah, all I'm saying is, if you want to make the argument that a seventeen-year-old kid shouldn't be out there in the middle of the night with a gun during everything that's happening, I'm okay. I get that argument because you know what? More than likely, unless there's, I'm directly tied to a property. Or like you know what? I'm a. Mm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna stay out of here. I got a family to attend to. I don't need to be out in the middle of this riot, possibly getting killed. I get that argument. But besides that argument, yeah, besides that argument of he shouldn't have been there. Other than that, it's pretty clear cut. It's like, why do you have the gun? uh, Just in case what happened, happened. And (laughs) I mean, this is for anybody who's, and I hate to say an echo chamber. I mean, we all agree. We're willing to use logic and, critical thinking. That's, I keep going back to that. The thing that still is astounding is the coordination of events and narratives and information. Oh, yeah, the narratives for sure, yeah. But it's it's coordination. It's it's no different than uh, you know, Dr. Uh, was it Gupta and Don Lemon and Joe Rogan like yeah. that was all coordinated. Coordinated. It wasn't people sitting around trying to talk these things out and figure. And and now well, granted dude, Gupta didn't side with CNN. On that, no, but he shut up when they told him to shut up. Yeah, he did shut up. But Rogan (laughs) said what he said, and then he said they shouldn't have said that. 
He yeah. said they but probably then he had to shouldn't go, have said that. Yeah, but then he had to go back on CNN. And he be went like, back on and got, yeah. got Because he likes a paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I said, like I said, you could see it on his face, and it's like, I guess I don't blame the guy to some degree, but... You know, it's coordinated. It's all coordinated. Like, and then you got to wonder, and like you said, human nature, and and everybody thinks that that the world is made up of too many people and too many people doing their own things for coordination to exist at that level. And it's like, is it though? I mean, at what level? You know, if it's only a couple hundred people meeting every couple times a year, and then top-down coordination, that's very possible. Yeah, I, I think you can't necessarily coordinate it on a broad scale, and like where you're, I, where I don't, you're I, controlling everything, but no, I think it's very I don't, much I don't so. mean people are coordinating like when everybody takes a shit. I just meant like you're <laughs> nudging and you're bumping things in a direction and people start falling in line. It's no different than the mandates. Like the government knew OSHA wasn't going to have enough teeth to bite into this, but they accomplished their goal. People are still marching. No, people are still marching forward with it. Your company, uh, any company that's still creating it as a company policy, then it's like you know. How many industries do you think it would take to stand up against the government to just shut the whole fucking mandate down? I well, then you have to wonder. You you have to wonder what is the end goal. What's the, of the government or the agencies that are standing up against them? Uh, of this whole event? Because you know. You have to look at control. I mean, you can try to figure out what's the ultimate goal. A lot of things have changed really fast. You're you're looking at you know people who want you know you're looking at everybody inflating currencies. You're looking at probably a social credit score. You're looking at you're looking at Meta. You're looking at all this stuff. I said something about the metaverse earlier today. She's like, shut your fucking mouth. I don't want to hear it. I was like, well, that was the thing before Zuckerberg made it a thing. But yeah, I don't know. It's just all happening so fast. So for my employer, we are, I will say I was happy that we were the last big um, corporation in Ohio to put the mandate in place because they understand that we're already short staffed. And how are we supposed to take care of patients if we're even more short staffed? Um, But we are... Uh, CMS, which is the Center of Medicare and Medicaid Services, if we don't do the mandate, their patients can't get care from us. So that's all Medicare and Medicaid. So then we don't have a paycheck. Yeah. So right? what, what so, do you what Cass? What happens if they said "fuck you"? We're not going to do it, right and now, all I those agree. patients didn't happen. You don't you don't think that those patients might not fucking rise up and have some sort of exactly. a revolution? You don't think that Cleveland Clinic's footprint? And I don't know. I'm just asking, but. That's why I'm asking how many organizations would it take to stand up before all of a sudden they said, well, you know what? The federal government tried. Whatever happens, happens after this, which is honestly what I feel that they're trying to do and what it may come to, even though a lot of people probably already had to get the vaccine. I just don't think it's realistic. I think at some point people are going to say, you know what? Fuck right off. We control this nation. We're the goddamn backbone of everything that we do. We provide the Mm -hmm. infrastructure, the transport, the shipping, the healthcare, all this stuff, we fucking run the nation. That would require strong men and strong women in leadership roles, not weak men and weak women. I think it, it would only require a few strong men and a few strong women I can in, get in that. high positions. I could get behind yeah. that. Which, yeah, oh. they probably don't exist. You work with them. Or Damn, how about no how many employees <laughs> would it take yeah. to, say, to walk out the door? You know, you're going to have to walk me out. January 5th. I mean, look at the airlines for Christ's sake. What if two or three other airlines coordinated 
And they said, yeah, we're not doing that. And people can't travel. What the fuck is going to happen? Or if truckers said, hey, we're going to shut down 20% of all shipping. Fucked. Fucked. You're you're already talking about a minority of people. Until it's not a minority. And it's, it's happened in the past. But, and, and it's a That's death. That's how we gained our freedoms. It is. It's a death. We're about by, to it's canceled, a, Fred. <laughs> Tony's getting real worked up over here. Yeah, but even a minority. Like, when you look at... When you toasty, I think it's a key point where you look at a even though it's a minority, even if it's twenty percent. Like if you look at you take twenty percent of the workforce across the nation and they're gone, like that cripples us. Period. Like we're barely That's holding on, holding about. on to string like strands as it is. Like twenty percent. Like it's when you're already running at capacity, twenty percent breaks it. Hey, you have to go back to. You have to think about it. What if that's what they want? So follow that out. Why would why? they want that? It's the uncle then. Yeah, just for fun. That, just no, for fun. Just for fun. Entertaining. Speculation. It's like off the record speculation. Yeah, speculation. <laughs> we can edit this out. <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> I want you to keep your job. Can we? Can we pause? No. <laughs> I, it's tough because you, you go back to you know a lot of what's happening. You're not privy to it. You don't know. You have right. no idea. You know, oh, yeah. I, and my uh, one of my brother-in-laws, you know, who I, I hate to say, like, you like to discuss things with people that are open-minded. Most people would call this an echo chamber. I would just call it being open-minded. Now, granted, we're echoing pretty hard on some topics, which is fine because it's true. Do you think it is an echo chamber, though? Yeah. And I guess in what sense? Because if I didn't agree with something that, you said, I'd tell you to fuck right off, and I'd tell you why you're wrong. You would, but... You just think because of the way we're raised, or we have some aligning thoughts, or... Well, you and I have become good friends over a two-year period. Yeah, but like for... I said, I'd tell you to fuck right off. But yeah, but that doesn't idea. necessarily make it... I mean, Tony tells me to fuck off all the time. Yeah. This is true. I, but I, 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 I want to I hear what Jake has <laughs> yeah. to say on this, because he could be on this. No, but it is an echo, because I wouldn't be here if you didn't like me. No, you would, because we've invited plenty of people on that we don't fucking like. They oh, didn't yeah. accept okay. that offer. They That's didn't accept that offer. But I've invited some people multiple times, the same person multiple times. God, I want to say that name out loud. <laughs> I, well, I know, and that's, but that's the, that is the point, though. They, they and we and them, they don't want to be in the same room. You want them in here because you want to hear what, you want to debate. No, 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 no. I just want to understand the, the thought process. There you go, man. Like, if, if your idea was different than mine, and I might still not agree with it, like, by you explaining it to me, I may better understand why you say that. It doesn't mean that I agree with that, but all of a sudden now oh, I have a different basis for that idea. You should have told me. I could have started. I could have. <laughs> I could have. Uh, I could be one of those people. No, no I, I want you. To I be want who your you, real yeah. thoughts, man. No, no, no. I want, but I, I'm just saying, like, if if you have that genuine curiosity, oh, dude, yeah. the name of this fucking thing is chronic th- curiosity. It's not fake fucking curiosity. No, yeah. I know, but like that's what CNN's for. But like, the <laughs> the four of us could could you know drink bourbon all night and end the night with like hugs and agreeing with like the way we all view the world. For the most part. I mean, I think most people can, because we've talked yeah, about no, this. Most people. Nope. No, I know most people cannot. No, I think when you, when you really strip it down to its core and I, I this, I, this, I do believe when you really strip all of the issues down to their core, what it, most, most people just want to be able to go home, take care of their family, live a happy life, l- love and take care of the, their loved ones. That's what most people want. You may have different viewpoints yeah. and the way to get there might be different. 
but why can't we come together and figure out, okay, you want to get there that way. I want to get there this way. Let's figure out a way that we can both do the best we can for what we want to do. And here's my thing, not interfere with each other. Uh, The problem comes when you, that's the paradigm you've built for yourself. And that's why I say we can echo here. Like I knew I wasn't going to, I'm not, I knew I wasn't in hostile territory here. Nobody would be in hostile territory here. No. Yeah, but, dude, I, but people oh. don't know that. I do get, I do understand. Like people yeah. don't know that. And you can tell them that. I mean, if they would listen to it, we're all a little abrasive, right? But if someone knew you, who you are now, they would understand that. Yeah, for sure. But people that you have varying, like strong, different of opinions on, they probably don't know you well enough. This would be a very intimidating place. Oh, yeah. No, I get that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I get the hesitation and I do agree about the echo chamber that there's a lot of similarities, even though we're open and able to say, I completely disagree with that in a respectful you know, way. Um, I agree that it's very, you want to hear what they think to understand that world, but you'll never agree or be a part of that world. I don't, know, I don't know that that's, yeah, I if don't know that that's me. true. Exactly. So if they can't convince, so when I think of an echo chamber, I think of something where the same ideas constantly just bounce off the walls. There are these chronic echoes, you know, we align in this similar situation and, th- and that's not what I consider this. Like, are we having an echo chamber right now? Possibly to a degree because you're not an outlier on those senses. Right. Would I welcome we the outlier? We just happen to agree. Yeah. I would absolutely welcome the outlier. Could they convince me to change? Dude, plenty of people have convinced me to change. They said, hey, Maybe you're looking at this the wrong way. Like you're being an asshole about this or you don't have enough information on the subject. And I'm like, well, fuck, inform me. And they do. And then I do my research and I'm like, well, okay, maybe I don't 100% subscribe to what you said, but there was some validity to your claims. I approach this with what we discussed before, a hermeneutic of suspicion where you don't take everything at face value. And now all of a sudden I'm like, okay, that makes a little more sense. Uh, I either adopt your ideas or I don't adopt your ideas, but I understand a little bit better how you function. And guess what? Now we're closer to one another. Yeah. Now that now there's a, a meaningful relationship that's built between two parties that don't agree. But guess what? We breathe the same air. Uh-huh. We consume the same food. We are both Americans and hopefully at heart we're patriots and we want to see everyone succeed. I mean, there's been plenty of times on the show that it may not be, appear blatantly mm-hmm. that my mind's been changed, but it's happened. I think one of the earliest ones was, we talked about this a little bit before we started, Rose. Yeah. And oh, I, dude, a hundred percent. I remember, I remember your questions and I was like, whoo, I was like, I'm interested to see how she answers these because. Yeah, because I, 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 I was, I tried to be. Substance abuse as a disease versus not a disease. Yeah, and you and, were very camp. Substance abuse is not a disease. That's a conscious choice that you make. And then you fucked up the rest of your life. And you asked her that, and, mm-hmm. and she was like, hey. I tried s- to word it as nicely as I could. He did. You he know? did. Very, very, <laughs> but, very polite. But yeah, you did it. I was like, ooh, I'm, sign me up, baby. Like, I want to see what's going to happen here. Yeah, and so there's been plenty of times, like, even here, like, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want this. Me, personally, I don't want me to be like this, but I definitely, even if I have the strongest beliefs, personally, I don't want this show to reflect my strongest beliefs. Uh-huh. I don't, I want, I want to be able to facilitate curiosity and be able to ask those questions and say, why? Like, all right, explain to me, like, why do you think this or that? Like, they're not even necessarily differencing of opinions, just learning about different people, you no, know? And we've done that today though. Like I'm a, a and, and 
like I said, the places that I've been and know and read and think and the world that I live. And that's where we've been talking about it. Cause I keep, I, I'm like, uh, fuck the details. I'm like, oh, you talk about the written house case, like fuck the details. I'm more interested in this coordination stuff. Like why? Oh, uh, dude, you are to an extent, depending on the subject, you've said on the subject, plenty of subjects. So, but we're definitely either peer reviewed or meta analysis. I met, I met either, in debate. Okay. In debate. I was going to say, either you do get deep in the weeds or you don't. And you just send them to me to get deep in the weeds. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm very deep into the weeds, but that's where I can try to bring back my own formulations. Because let's admit, you know, the the most limiting factor of of this is words. Yeah. Like your brain vocabulary. can go. Communication. Oh, vocabulary, communicate, all of it. And that's why it's like, let's... You keep it simple because, like, if we wanted to, like, we could debate this Rittenhouse thing for an hour. Well, how can you debate it when the definitions keep changing? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but even the Rittenhouse, no, but even the Rittenhouse thing, like, nobody's going to fucking care because everybody's already debated it and True. read about it. True. And done it. But and that's where that's, I do want to get back to you telling Fred that you disagree when he said it doesn't matter what those three um, guys, what their past history was. And you said it does matter, and Fred said it doesn't. And you said we'll get back to that. So we'll circle back to that, Tony. After calm down, Saki. Yeah. <laughs> and no, that's that's a uh, that's actually an interesting debate. Is does it or doesn't it matter? Because I I first learned of some of those guys' histories just the other day, and right. I was just like. And so my take on that would be, it does matter depending on what the debate is it, i and i i agree with that so overall like the case of what they were trying to charge him with no no no, it doesn't matter at all right like what they were charging him with it doesn't specifically to your point when we were talking about uh you know that dude having a gun i was like well shit that dude's a felon like yeah if you want to talk about someone yeah, illegally yeah, yeah. with a gun yeah like that dude the, shouldn't have a gun does it change the fact that he did have a gun and what happened happened it doesn't that's mm. cast that's all that i was getting to so like I can understand like arguing the law from the, the standpoint of law and case law. Like I, I get that wholeheartedly. Then there's a morality standpoint of like, mm, these dudes did these, like maybe the McManus brothers were onto something. Yeah. I would say Isn't now, that the boondock saying <laughs> I, it was a, that's somebody in the last name. I would say like, that's a good point because if I can't remember the guy's name, but he was the survivor that got shot. If it mean, was, uh, the, the dude that came in second in the quick draw competition. <laughs> if if he was in Rittenhouse's place, then his past would matter. Yeah, because it was illegal to do the thing he was doing, carrying a gun. True. So then it becomes a legal thing. So it all, it all depends on, like I said, it all depends on the debate. Yeah, the, the debate you're trying to have. Yeah, and but then you're going in deeper, man. Like, yeah, you could get him on this charge. But did he still have the right to defend himself regardless of whether he was a felon and had the right, right. to own And those are those are all different things that yeah. people, they don't want to. Cassie, it sounds pretty nuanced. Yeah, it is. They don't want to separate. So she hates, nuanced. She hates that word. Like, I think I think meta has taken over though. I think she hates meta more. <laughs> but people don't want to separate all of these individual things. They can exist. And in to discuss them. They can all. They can, yeah, they can all exist all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And people don't like that. Yeah. I, to me, like that, I love that because we we have you have to argue it point by point by point, and if you can't do that, then just don't argue because it, you, you you have nothing. Like and that's that's that was my only point is it's really difficult to to get away from your own beliefs and biases. And bias is not a word I like to use. 
but it's true. Oh, absolutely. I have a twin brother and my brother-in-law, you know, they've, and, and they've done the devil's advocate stuff just, I think, for fun. You know, that's a great time. Well, and some people, I think, believe it a little bit and they want to believe it because I'll, you know, like the, the, the vaccine thing, you know, the brother-in-law will be like, well, what if they know something about this that we don't and they care so much about it that that's why they're doing it. And my bias is like, fuck, no, they don't. Like they're lying to us all the time. Or there are these yeah. things called facts. Yeah, yeah. Presented but, but, with some, that but that's the, but that's yeah. the point. Is we know they. We, I mean, we hide we hide our own. Anytime people's trying to promote an agenda or self interest or anything, you hide certain things. You promote certain things. Like anything, even if I'm selling a, an insurance policy to anybody, it's it's hard for me to harp on all the negatives and be like, but here's the positives and and still win. You can't. Right, because you you've really you have to like, form a narrative. Yeah, yeah, you have to form a narrative, and a, even in an innocent format, and, and and you know, like the 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 guy whose name's B and G, it's like what he doesn't even want to say them. I know, <laughs> I it's, get it's it. Just like a, such a we only use the we only use the HC like once. Yeah, yeah. I've used it a few times. Yeah. I'm still alive. Yeah, well, yeah but we try not to. Happens. We try not to. We try not to repeat it. Yeah, like Beetlejuice. Yeah, oh, I'll, 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 I'll <laughs> say that motherfucker <laughs> three times and see if that bitch shows up. And um, you know, to me, BG is Bowling Green State, you know, Bubblegum yeah. State, and it's like, well, maybe it's like uh, in my mind, I'm like, well, nobody who's trying to get a twenty to one return on investment has ever got the the people at heart yeah. to help to well, do like, better didn't uh, i think soro said that one point where he or no it wasn't Soros. was it him or was it uh oh uh, who's the other any of them the other alien the other rich yeah, you can pick rich, any of uh, them what's now. the guy oh the big the big one bezos no uh the He's investor the... Oh, there's a lot of those uh, the guy that drinks like a 12 pack of coke every day oh, Warren oh buffett. buffett yeah buffett yeah. where he's like I, I, it might have been soros i think it was where he was like although trump drinks 12 pack of coke a day yeah too. but he it was like an investor thing he was talking about investing okay. in this that whatever and being you know uh responsible to people that you know and being good person he's like that's not and if job. you just so happen to turn a small profit i, I well, go no, back he, to the movie no, he, wedding crashers it's like uh the the shirts for kids or something and it's like well we turn a small profit yeah. we're well, not totally he was being here. blatant about it he was like my job that's not my job to care about people my job is to make a profit yeah and it was like so it was just like and if he's saying that out loud yes. you know in his mind he's thinking i don't but, give a damn about the health of people like i'm here to make money but but like, but bubblegum has set up a <laughs> philanthropy <laughs> endeavor so uh, the whole yes. point is to in help phil people. philanthropic <laughs> helping people yeah. i'm and, sure that's why i gave 350 million dollars to well CNN and that's and, NBC. and that's where <laughs> but that's where the the debate comes in because it's, and and i go back to the were you there i don't like and my my twin brother will do this well because he he's pretty good at con the conformity stuff it's like well were you there like how do you know how bill gates feels about this how do you know he doesn't care about people like I don't, but like it's really hard for me not to think he's lying when he go, goes all weird fingers and he's talking about twenty to one <laughs> return on profits. Doesn't he have Asperger's or something? Could that's be. not. That's not. That's a mental. Could, thing, yeah, that's, not a physical that's a thing. autistic no, thing. Though have, like, you can be weird. Yeah. Yeah. Did he have ticks with yeah, Asperger's? And that could things. be. That's well, why, why I said I it could be. Pattern is a little different. I think it is 
debated if he has it or not. Yeah, and it might be why he smiles when he's yeah. talking about evil things sometimes. And it's oh, just that's like, probably him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now, how do you know? The bias comes out. Is that's Asperger's synonymous with getting on the Epstein plane? Yeah. I, know, I didn't read that in the DSMV. I don't know. Exactly. So Bill has that too, then? So it they is all have that, Prince bro. Andrew. It's, and yeah, the, all, all, <laughs> all of them. All of them. Check, you know, the check. only reason I'm doing this little like speech is because like I'm in a world where people will question like, how do you not think like this guy who's donated everything to the betterment of humanity? How can you believe that? It's called a tax break. I know, <laughs> but how can you, you believe thought. that? Yeah, 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 but that's the point. Is like. You have to be so careful because it's like the as soon as you, if you mention like you said, you go into Bill Gates and microchips and magnets and whatever, like you're done, yeah. you're done, and, and almost to the point like what Rand Paul has done with Dr. Fauci, which I've appreciated because it's like and it's hilarious. You can't go all in on anything because you don't know. But like you start asking, and and what I talked about like in sales and in negotiating, it's like. Or if you if you're delivering a hard message, you stick to the one reason that you have for believing what you believe until somebody can prove you come in the room and prove you dead wrong, and then you can be like, "Fuck!" Like that makes a lot of sense. Because if I did, if I wanted to let my guard down, and I wanted somebody to tell me like he's donated billions to philanthropy and helping third world countries, or and, apparently, and if you own news stations, you just lie and then it becomes the truth. So. Exactly. But if you <laughs> sat there and and somebody was in total belief that this person has dedicated their their post-capitalistic riches life to making the world a better place, and they don't see what you see, they think you're nuts. They don't believe you, and maybe we are. Maybe you are. I don't know. Well, see, that's why I tried to... I, that's why I like the title of your, your podcast, yeah. because... I don't know. I really, I've never talked to the guy. Yeah. I never shook his hand. Maybe he is like, you know, maybe he's just got Asperger's and like, if you sit down with him, he's just like a great, the greatest guy you've ever met. I have yeah. no idea. Maybe. No idea. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's the outlook I try to take because I realized, so I, I spent the vast majority of my life. No idea. Yeah. <laughs> I spent the vast majority of my life. Like, that's your bias. <laughs> He's like, my he's bias, giving you the look. My bias is if a dude can't defend himself against a fucking five-year-old, it's real hard for me to respect that human being. <laughs> or, or if you know, you don't want to open source things for the betterment of humanity because well, they or don't that. have or they that. don't have factories that you can just open up. And India's like, we got four. Let's just open them up. Let's do it. Let's do it. So yeah, yeah I, I think. But most people aren't going to try to catch them in their own lies. Like you have to, you have to dig deep to catch them in their. Unless own you're lies. trolling people like Peter. <laughs> Shift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I Shift's mean, the man. Yeah, so like that's and that's. But even his it. predictions, if you listen to him twelve years ago, you'd be fucking broke. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, according to today's standards, you'd have put all your money in gold, gold. and it'd still be at eighteen hundred dollars, and you'd be like, stock market's but up. But it's 40, tangible, bro. You, you can touch it. You can feel <laughs> it. Yeah. Or so, or that Bitcoin's going to zero, like all that other stuff. Yeah, like if obviously, you, that's that unfortunately a terrible is. fucking investment back in two thousand. Well, what one of the best investors basically said that you know I forget how it goes, but you know the the market insanity can last longer than your solve. You, the market will last longer than your solvency. Like you can be right for twelve years, but be bankrupted. 
mm-hmm. because the market was wrong for longer than you could stay solvent. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's when I realized. So I, I, like I said, I spent the vast majority of my entire life, like not wanting to look at anything, not caring because it didn't matter. Like I'm just this one and plenty of other things. But in the last few years, like I started looking and, and just putting my curiosity to, to mental work, mm-hmm. like, and looking at all these things when I, I told Tony, like when I started looking, I've always wanted to know this, how the stock market works. Mm-hmm. Cause I remember sitting in like eighth grade and they're like, like, oh, this is way too, what the hell is all this? Like ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as I learned about it, a, a few, it's only been a couple of years. As soon as I learned about it, I realized the stock market isn't, has nothing to do with financials. Mm-hmm. It's based off of, and, and it works with the financial industry. It's all psychology. That's all it is. It's people because you that it's it's that and there's a little bit of financials into it but that's all it is it's all psychology i mean the only financial piece of it that would be is well people are like well how how does the stock market just keep on going up i don't understand that well it's because inflation because it's the stock market all these assets aren't going up the value of your dollar is just going down and it's like when you realize that it's like oh like this is the game these rich people play like and they don't and it, it was i came to this epiphany all on my all on my own some when i was 33 or 34 whatever it was like i realized that rich people don't buy paintings and cars and properties because they want all this ridiculous shit they just want something that's not going to depreciate store wealth that appreciates yeah and i was like i i can't like i was like like bourbon like holy shit like how did i how did i not know this like what was i being taught in school or not paying attention to it either way but like yeah but dude who are your parents too like these are the circles of conversations that like middle class and poor people never have you have to learn that shit when you when you get in yeah but like i hit it hit me like i was like oh this world is not what i thought it was at all like and it really starts it just it starts to make sense that like all these people they're they're not necessarily have these hidden agendas. They're just agendas they don't talk about. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I graduate, I have a degree in finance and like, once you figure it out, you're kind of like, okay, that makes sense. And they don't teach you like about inflation and how that all kind of really works. Which is very weird that they don't yeah. teach you about that with a finance degree. No, they teach you about, like you said, fundamentals and co- yeah. corporate, earnings per shares and which when everything when everything is running according to typical when everything's running the same for a while like those things wouldn't you want to get get taught how to deal with this stuff when it's fucked up beyond i don't think it ever ever has and like you said you know paintings and cars and stuff it's not every painting in every car no it's almost like a club of paintings and cars just hundred bottoms <laughs> those, those will be next. Yeah. And and you think about, you know, why are they doing it? Well, a lot of that's diversification too. It's no different than owning real estate when you understand inflation. It's like you buy if we I mean, even if, you know, all else equal, we buy ten houses today at a hundred grand, you know, you'll you'll struggle to slap it together and get renters and pay them off and continue to yeah. And my wife and I talked about this the other night. It's like, no, you'll make four to ten percent on your investment which is a good number if you're lucky if you're doing it right as long as inflation is under that yes but the the goal is hopefully like in 10 years those ten hundred thousand dollar houses will be worth two hundred thousand dollars and in the meantime somebody's been paying them off for you so you get fucked on your capital gains (laughs) yeah Yeah, that you have to cash out eventually but or or wealth income shift to kids but you know 
or what 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 people are doing today which we, i've read about and it would be no different than if you owned you know if you had and the bigger you go the bigger the numbers but you know there are people who have 100 million dollars in investments and stocks and stuff like that it's cheaper now for them to cash out and use their holdings as leverage they get a loan from a bank now for mm -hmm. like one to two percent interest. Yeah. They'll go buy an island or whatever at a fifty million dollar loan for one percent, and they won't have to sell. So that's why Congress is talking about taxing unrealized capital, yeah, which is dude. insane. But you think about it, it's like they're 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 ever they're always better at like they're just playing the game. They're playing the game. They're always. Better they're playing by the rules out, that yeah. were written for them. So yeah, they're getting they were, out in front of it. Written, they're just yeah. adhering to them. But think about that. So when you like talk about the rich getting richer, now the rich are getting richer while they sit around and take loans out for a lower number than inflation. And it's just like they're 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 winning all over. Yeah, and and, and it all comes back to I can't realizing get one of those loans. <laughs> yeah, but it's realizing that the game. It's realizing the rules of the game, and they they've just they've just learned the rules and learned that oh, yeah, these are the rules, and how do you maximize the gameplay within the rules? And that's that's all they've done. And people are all pissed off, like the whole Elon Musk thing. Oh well, you because that's what he does. That's how he's so quote unquote rich because he's just borrowing off of his assets. It's like we'll sell your money, sell your. I, the the thing, biggest thing that cracked me up is well. If if Elon Musk sold like was it ten percent of his Tesla stocks, then we could solve world hunger. Six billion dollars, and it was six billion dollars. Open source accounting. Yeah, well, and it was like send it to me. Let me see. Yeah, I love it. He uh, did you see no that? Response. Yeah, I love. It was even I saw a meme that goes. Um, so they're saying that Elon Musk can solve world hunger with six billion. The U.S. has printed like six trillion in the <laughs> yeah. last two years, and we're why, still hungry. Why are not. people still hungry? Yeah. <laughs> like, so you realize that you then you, you just see when you know these things. Like I have trouble now. Like hamburgers at Beeler's for twelve dollars a four pack. You know? <laughs> That's why you got to get your own cow, bro? Yeah, but it's it's hard. Like, do you find it difficult, like watching the news or watching a headline or looking at something and? not just going crazy by going, Oh, I see what they mean there. <laughs> well, even in Elon Musk, it's like, do you think he's really just one of us who's so smart and got really rich? No, he's a super alien. He could, and be. he was born from a rich family. So like, yeah. That helps. And, and he, his company would have been totally bankrupted if he didn't have government subsidies. Oh yeah. And if he didn't, uh, if the sec ever wanted to prosecute him for all of his shenanigans on Twitter, <laughs> Like, I mean, think about oh, it. Oh, yeah, he's massively. He I mean, just the, the the guy could have been, a, you know, he should be in jail just for, like, talking about, speculating on Twitter about taking his company private. Right. Like, which means the, the stock's going to get bought out, all that stuff. And it's just like, how does he get away with that? But but I do appreciate when he, uh, like, I can't remember if it, I think it was before the split. And this, their, his stock, it was like, Tesla stock was like just approaching like it was like maybe like seven hundred or something like that. And he was like, Wow, this is way overpriced. Like he's even like talking shit about his own company stock. And it's like yeah. at least I, I give him that. Like he, he's playing the game. Well the funny thing is, is like you don't know if he just did that as a favor to somebody who wanted to get in. 
And they're like, hey, you know, we've got these subsidies that we could pass. Like, Yeah, but it didn't even actually go down all that much. It might, yeah. That's you know what, what I mean? mean? But like, he, he, yeah, he might be doing his. I just but... never know why anybody does anything that is stupid when they're so smart. Yeah, and, but I think I I hope maybe this is me. This is maybe hoping. This yeah, is me hoping. It could that, be. This is me hoping that he just doesn't give a fuck. And he's like, whatever. I'm be. just gonna I'm just gonna play around. I doubt it. If you're one of the richest men in the world now, at least on yeah, paper, but how much shit did he get for smoking weed on that podcast? None. Did he? Did he yeah. Shit? You know he, what I mean? Like if he even went on live TV and said, "I didn't smoke weed. Like I don't know what I'm doing." You can see clearly that I have no idea what I'm doing. And everybody's like, "All right, whatever." And nobody can. But it, you no, gotta but also wonder the event though. If you're saying how would it, why would a smart person do something like this because they're so smart, or if he's so smart, he would have been like, or I it could have he done it because any news is good news. He's uh, you know. but he <laughs> I, and that's why I say, but he could be so smart that he knows that so many people care so little about weed these days that by doing it. He's only fueling, you know, the the Tesla retail buyers, you know, the people that that's are also like, true. And you know, here we mean? are in the runaround of all that's of all the different viewpoints. Of course, <laughs> that's why I said you only know unless you're there and like you know yeah. the guy and you trust the guy and you've talked to the guy because yeah. it's it's no different and it and it, this isn't even political because it's like Joe Biden aside, any of it. It's like the way, and we talked about this. I've even talked about it with my father-in-law. I'm like, the way we got out of Afghanistan makes no sense. Zero. And people are like, yeah, it's because he's fucking derelict idiot. It's like, yeah, but he's still not. He's not even making decisions. He didn't make. The, Biden didn't make those plans. So, like, so, you think he drew up the plans? How and that's where you it? Like, you what? go back to like a normal person would have done this. Like, you know, we would have given the weapons to the allies as much as you could, and you would have gotten innocent civilians out first and left soldiers there and then you would have brought the you bring all your diplomats and no, everybody you, you, out first you would have pulled you would have pulled the last people that were going to get out were like the people that could fan out and like have their guns pointing towards the airfield as they're walking backwards into an airplane that would have been logical plan so you say to yourself well, why did they it had to have been done on purpose I don't know why, but it was done on purpose for some reason. It wasn't yeah. just a mistake. These mistakes don't get made. You cannot make a mistake to that magnitude without it having been done on purpose. Um, there's, so there's an argument to that. And I've heard. Um, and that's my belief. Yeah. No, I, I, I've heard some arguments against that. I wasn't that. there. I don't yeah, know. I, well, yeah, obviously neither of us <laughs> were there. But I've heard some arguments against the point of if there's a disconnect between the leadership that is making the plans and the people that are on the ground. Um, cause I've heard some discussions about when they were training some of those, um, Afghan forces mm -hmm. that if you're in charge of training those quote unquote soldiers, mm -hmm. um, you know, you want to represent that you're doing a good job. Mm -hmm. So you report to, you know, your command that, Hey, these guys are 70% efficient, mm -hmm. not great, but you know, 70%. And then as the years goes on people that come to, you know, after you go, Oh, well, they had 70% efficient. So uh, I got to make it at least 75. These guys don't know what the hell they're doing, mm -hmm. but I can't be worse. Like, cause then it's gonna be my fault mm -hmm. that these guys aren't getting trained properly. And then as the years go on, you get up to this person saying, you know what? These forces are 95% efficiently trained because uh, like I can't be fired because I got to do my job. And then the, you know, the leadership, and that lo is looking at all this paperwork and going, mm. man, these forces, they're 95% trained, you know, cause and if anybody understands 
you know, uh, big corporations because the military is just a big corporation. Mm -hmm. Those people at the top making the executive decisions, they're not out in the field all the time seeing all of the different things. So I only, if, I only disagree with the big corporation standpoint because the minute a big corporation starts losing money, they're done. Yeah, but they don't have, the military doesn't have to worry about losing money because they just get, but they operate much they like do. a big corporation. The disconnect from the people on the ground and the executive. So the argument, you know, playing devil's advocate would be the people that are making the decisions thought mm -hmm. on the ground was taken care of. And the fudged paperwork in between those two is so disconnected that they thought, well, they even came out and said, like, well, we figured it would happen, but <laughs> not that quick. Like, so you knew that, like, so you knew this was going to happen. Knew, so yeah. why didn't you evacuate people properly? They knew, like, They knew. Yeah. Either way, it didn't make any sense that let's move all of our military out of there and then just expect the civilians and our diplomats and everybody else to be able to get out safely. I, Regardless, like I don't understand the. <laughs> I, I again, know. I I, li I that, and that's what I said. When you know you're working for a corporation that doesn't have to make a profit or return, it, it's like all all bets are off. Like you have, yeah, you have no idea <laughs> who's making, doing what, and why, and yeah. like a lot of it is corruption. But I still stand by the like if you if you weren't there, you didn't see it, you didn't feel it, you don't know it. It's all. You're speculating and you're just trying to navigate. That's probably how I'll end this podcast. Like that's the way I live my life and philosophy is like, I try really hard to just understand it by seeing it or talking to people I trust or knowing what, what's been done. And it's hard. It's really hard. And, and like I said, I, you know, I feel for everybody that is going through this, anybody that going through it, cause it's changed so dramatically now. Like it has outpaced my abilities to keep up. Oh yeah. There's so much information and influx of things that are coming in. And I, and I would agree with you the same way. That's why I get a lot of weird looks when some of these topics are brought up because some people know mm -hmm. that I I'm, I'm a toilet warrior mm -hmm. warrior. Like you, I'm in there, I'm doing my research and, and I see, and I get, have so many inputs and information that I have opinions. Um, and I'm almost to the point now where, Cause I try really hard not to have an opinion. Uh -huh. Like that's my goal Yeah, is to not have an opinion and just look at the information I'm provided, look at the factual things that I can take in and just uh -huh. kind of see what's going on. But it's right. It's just so hard. There's just so much out there and I do my best, you know, just to be curious, to be informed. Uh -huh. Um, but it's, it's, it's impossible because you don't know. You don't know. We don't, nobody knows. Um, I don't even know where, Tony went. That's right. I was say I'm. I gotta take a leak, and I think we ended it. Yeah, sounds good. I we, appreciate we you. did it. No, Th I like thanks it. for your time. I said we, uh, you know, we can we can get along. Yeah, we can all get along. We can all get along. That's the point. You don't know nothing. Well, we got to figure this out. Everybody's got to figure this world out on their own. We're trying. All right. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, sir. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Remember, check out the website, chronic-curiosity.com to join us at the forum, have some fun, interaction, pick you up a comfy t-shirt, or if you just want to support the show and donate, all that is on the website as well. Thank you. Until next time. See you.